Hello and welcome to episode 154 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the yeast that got his wings, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Hee-haw! <laughs> I'm so glad you, I'm so glad that that's in your notes, because <laughs> that's also in my notes. <laughs> I'm just upset um, because I forgot to pour my beer and I was going to do the hand thing too, which I uh, understood. Yeah. It's okay, I saw it. The fucking thing, but still. Is, you know, the sound of moose makes. On this week's episode, <laughs> Disney Investor Day with Bob and Wick and other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, It's a Wonderful Life. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Jeez, I forgot to tell you all of the notes that I have as well, because that rundown is not nearly sufficient, not by half. I just, I figured we might as well cut to the chase and get to the notes. No, <laughs> you know fair, what I'm fair enough. I just, I'm like... Usually I give you at least a few of them. You usually take probably roughly 80% of what we have and then the rest is right. and more. But I think we only got yeah. about 30% in there. <laughs> yeah, it's going to uh, be a good episode. Oh, oof. assuming I don't fall asleep, which is a real a real danger or a real fear of mine for this one. This is going to be a, an easy three-hour episode. Blue? Blue? I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know why I said that. Uh, we're drinking Newberg Brewing Company and Friends... Industrial Boss India Pale Ale. It's a collaboration, as is all of the as are all of the Boss IPA collaboration series beers. This is the one for August. Um, this beer was born here in Newburgh. Um, mm. The logo it's got a little heart, which I've never noticed before. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because brewed with heart. Yes. With heart, I like and that. half of the heart. I like that. It's a great logo. It's <laughs> this is a New England IPA with ginger, New England clam chowder. I'm sorry. I went to my sister's for dinner last night, and when I rang the doorbell, she asked me for the password, <laughs> and that's what she wanted me to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, password seems aggressive, but uh, it's a, a New England IPA with ginger, passion fruit, and orange. Uh, it's eight percent alcohol by volume. I believe I just said right that it was made with industrial arts brewing. That's right. I thought you said it was made with heart, but that's fine. No, that's that too. I meant <laughs> in collaboration with. Yeah, yes. Uh, two breweries that we're quite fond of. Yes. Are you particularly fond of industrial arts? I am. I like those wrenches. I'm a big fan of those wrenches. <laughs> the pocket. The, uh, erector set? The torque. <laughs> the monkey? The just, the wrench. The, the, there's ones that just wrench, right? Alan. And then. <laughs> Alan's a key, and he needs to get over it. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're keys and wrenches, depending on who you ask. But monkey, sure. um, what is that other? Sure. There's another one with, like, the claw that uh, is, like, on, like, a spring-loaded thing. It kind of functions like a monkey wrench, but it's adjustable, and you can usually use it with, like, a telescoping arm to reach hard to reach. What are you talking about? This oh, no, tool I, I sounds really, amazing. <laughs> I know. I have a really good wrench that I used when I had to take apart that old weight set we had back here where I couldn't get the okay. arm like to the things and they were like oh. super awkward angles that the bolts were at. Oh, oh, I know. The magic wrench. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's called in the, ter- in the industry? Is that the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I have a great wrench back here. Maybe that'll just make. I'll just take a picture of that, and that will just be our episode header like image. It's just. The I like it. I'll totally it. sans context. Just wrench yeah. on the table. Naturally, it's a great wrench. It's no no picture of the beer. No I'm audio. Actually, I'm just gonna post the image. <laughs> 
all of, everyone and everyone at the Spinchoon and all the Spinchoon Twitter accounts are just going to have all their yes. <laughs> just this round. Change the profile picture. I love it. I love it. I'm all about it. Crescent Wrench? Is that what it's called? No, that's that's uh, that's the name of one. The, the Canyon of the Crescent Moon? The <laughs> On the Pilgrim's Path, is, vi- is, vi- is a vice grip a type of wrench? What? A vice grip? What about a channel lock? Are channel locks type of wrench? There definitely is a type of wrench that has a vice. I don't know what that one is. Are they types have. of, are they pliers? Hmm. I was thinking about the one. I have one of those ones that like has the vice thing where it locks. Yeah. But yeah. it's definitely a wrench. It's not just a vice grip. It's a wrench. And then it has sure, like, a you spring could... lock like thing that That's you can right. pop it open with. That's right. I don't know. I'm over it. What else you got? <laughs> this is the first time we've had wrench talk. It's exciting. That's right. It's a new segment. <laughs> We're going to dive deep on each wrench each week. <laughs> We're going to have a deep I dive. I think that we, one we'll, deep we'll, dive into a beer every week, <laughs> one deep dive into a movie every week, one deep dive into a different type of wrench every week. We're going to call it Wrench Watch, and we're going to do a post-credits when The Mandalorian's over. <laughs> we're going we're to have a second credits after Mandalorian, after Mandalwatch. Um, Do you want to try this beer? (laughs) Sure. Was there any more to say about it? I don't think so. I I mean, I'm sure there'll be more after we take a sip of it. Cheers. (laughs) No, that's it. We just move on. You hear the sip? (laughs) You hear the sip, you hear, mmm. And then just (laughs) tell me your first note. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's fragrant. I like that. Oh, that is gingery. I know, because I had a gingerbread cookie earlier. Whoa. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that, like, on paper, I approve of ginger and passion fruit as, like, one... As a concept. (laughs) Yeah, as a concept in synergy with each other. But somehow it works. I feel like it shouldn't is my issue, but it does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm thrown off by the flavor of the beer. I am, um, I am jostled by this idea. It's like, at first sip, it's like, ooh, is that delicious? Ooh, is that a cleaning product? Like, it's not, it's not clear. <laughs> is that a cleaning product? <laughs> That's generally not how you want to describe a beer. No, fact, I agree. Ingest, like, don't ingest bleach, for instance, or any other cleaning <laughs> products. <laughs> Why does that need to be said? <laughs> oh, you're drinking out of a glass that's also brewed with heart. Because cer- certain people with very large platforms told the <laughs> nation at large that they should inject bleach to save themselves for the coronavirus. Despite <laughs> how stupid the show is, I'd like to think that our listeners are smarter than that, so. I would hope so. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't know. I might be drinking a cleaning product. The jury's out. <laughs> but uh, Wait, it's, what was the third flavor? Because there was an orange? Oh. Orange, yeah. I feel like the orange takes a backseat behind the ginger and the passion. Uh, certainly does. Um, I get more like a orange peel, like that I've chewed on, versus well, orange flavor. Yeah, I was gonna say I get more orange zest that's kind of like lingering on the palate. Yeah, more than like the actual flavor of it. Mm-hmm. This is this is very strange. I don't dislike it. No, it's definitely good, but it is it is a unique beer. I think I'm going to go two thuckles on it. Okay. Uh, that, that feels right. I would say somewhere in the two to three thuckle range. What tool is used to turn a thumb into a thuckle? I mean, I, mean, I think that's, pro- I think that's a whole cutting device. I was going to say, I think that's a whole other podcast on saws. 
Saws, knives, axes. Chisels. I was going to say chisels, yeah. Uh, John chisels, Stone. John Wick, yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. I really appreciate you, and I want you to it's know It's good. We've, we've, we've come back, like, recharged. Anthony no longer has too much jaw. He has the proper amount of jaw. Hey, I have uh, the right amount of jaw. <laughs> it's also correctly in line, which was... You know what? Very unsettling. (laughs) (laughs) Just wake up and it's just turned at a right angle. No, yo, yeah, yeah, right. My teeth are just going off to the side. No, I looked. I woke up and I looked in the mirror. My face hurts, and I'm looking, and my my lips are not lined up. I'm like, huh? And I pull my lips back, and I notice my teeth are not lined up. And I'm like, what? What's happening here? (laughs) Did Kim sock you in the jaw while you were sleeping? Maybe, maybe I was snoring, and she was just like, no. Slap the shit out of you. Saw your yeah. jaw go pop. And it was like, oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it just turns around and goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. That lasted guys, way too long. Guys, though. PSA, spousal abuse is not okay. It's not okay. So, I, yeah, I don't know what was. <laughs> that long isn't even going to have any like effect because you have that. No, that's that's, that's just for you and me. That's just for you and me. Um. The, yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, the doctor's reaction was also, huh, I've never seen this before, which is not what you want to hear. What, TMI um, or TMI? See, for my entire life, I've heard people say TMJ. And then when I was handed the printout that I'm pretty sure she just got off of WebMD uh, of, <laughs> of things to know about it, the J stands for Joint the the TM yes. which I'm not even going to try to pronounce Temporal joint, yeah sure what well, you said the Mandalorian joint and <laughs> the and the and TMD is a dysfunction of that joint or disorder of that joint and so you don't have TM no sorry you do have TMJ we all do <laughs> but sometimes you have a the appropriate amount of it and sometimes you have too much. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I think a small piece of Vicky's soul died when I said that to her. <laughs> because she said, I have TMJ. She right. goes, I said, I don't know what TMJ is. She goes, it's an issue with the joint in my jaw. But at that point, I don't know if I'd gotten a text or if something like fell down or something like that. I, all I know is I wasn't making eye contact with her when I said it. And... As soon as she finished the sentence, something wrong with the joint. I said, oh, too much jaw. Uh, (laughs) And she was just silent for like five seconds. (laughs) It's so bad and so good. I appreciate it. uh, Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what that was about. But I I was given uh, basically like Advil on crack and um, a muscle relaxer, which... The Advil helped the swelling go down. The muscle relaxer, I guess, prevented me from clenching at night, which seems to be probably what it was. Like, stress caused clenching, and then, I guess, one night it was just really bad or something. Not really sure. So but, uh, you clenched your teeth so hard you dislocated your jaw in the middle of the night. But it wasn't dislocated. They checked yeah, for that. Yeah, I was saying that for dramatic effect. But I think my favorite part of the interaction with the doctor was when she said... Uh, she's like, okay, she had me do a couple things, like move my face a few ways to see if there was like, if I had a reaction to it or if it hurt or whatever. She goes, can you, can you close your eyes really tight? And I was like, okay. And I did that. And then she goes, okay, now, now do this. And her eyes got really wide. Mind you, we're both wearing masks and her eyes got really wide. 
Oh, sorry. She's wearing a mask. I'm not. <laughs> At this point, she, my, her eyes got really wide. So I opened up my eyes really wide because I had previously just closed them really tight. And then she started laughing. She's like, you can't see my face <laughs> or, what <I'm> trying, <laughs> or what I'm trying to have you do. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was good. But um, yeah, I think we're back to normal or normal adjacent. You can be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this beer... I'm Maybe sorry. a little excess jaw, but not too much. <laughs> Above average amount of jaw, but still within That's right. like the proper range of jaw. Um, sure. Yeah. If it's a scale, more, I've got five thuckles worth of jaw. <laughs> on a scale of one to jaw, tell me how it is. <laughs> uh, so did you just hear a clickety-clack sound come through the microphone? No. All right, good. That's only in my head. Perfect. I just want to make sure that it doesn't come through the recording. <laughs> anyway, to finish up my thoughts on this beer, I'm getting more hmm. orange the more I drink. At, I'm getting more orange the more it sits there and settles. That too. Yeah. Um, also, I just find it odd that our beers never look even remotely the same color. Well, the lighting is also different. I know, but like... And also different glasses. Mine is I know, a little hazier. Than- yeah, and I like hazy. Did, I, did you dump? Did you fully flip over the beer can? Well, the problem was I only got 95% of the beer into the glass. And, so I took a sip, and then I poured the rest of it in. So I think it was a little cloudy on the bottom. What's the acronym for not enough jaw? NEJ? You had the beer pouring equivalent of NEJ in your ISJ, glass. Insufficient jaw. Insufficient jaw. <laughs> is that like a is that like a, a someone with a weak chin? <laughs> do you want to get into some news and nuggets? Wait, how many thuckles do you give this thing? I said somewhere in the two to three thuckle range. Oh, okay, got it. Sorry, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm you know what? three thuckles, three thuckles. All right, two and three. I like it. Al, let's get into some news and nuggets. <laughs> uh, firstly. Why don't you kick us off? Because it sounds like you have something else other than the two things I mentioned. So let's uh, surprise me. What do you got? <laughs> oh, you want a surprise? Okay, then I have I a do. perfect topic for you. Let's talk oh, about a recipe for seduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. Did you watch it? First question. Uh, no, of course not. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Second question. Why? Uh, well, one, no. <laughs> two. I thought we might do it as a joke episode one day, um, but that wasn't going to be this week. Well, certainly not. But also, like, it's only 15 minutes long. Yeah, but what is it on? It was on Lifetime. Yeah, see, that would require more than zero effort on my part. <laughs> well, listen, it all it required of me was to put on the guide and record it and then watch it. All right. Sure. It's 15 minutes, no commercials. Well, I don't have a guide or... Well, I do have a record button. I do have a guide. I don't have cable. But you have Plex. And then you yeah, have- I know. But then I would have to like go through the effort of actually finding and downloading that. And who knows what that is going to do to my search engine optimizations. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really just... I'm not... I had no interest in trying. It's... Is what it came down to, if we're being so honest. so bad. It's so bad. In the best possible way. Fantastic. Because, 15 minutes. Because it's a hundred percent intentional how bad it is. Okay. I can get behind that. That's why I well that's why I was like, this is gonna be really bad, but hopefully like they're in on the joke and they were. So it was it okay. like honestly, it was an entertaining 15 minutes. Um All right. 
totally, with that. completely ridiculous. It was literally just a th- stupid thing they made that probably took them one day of shooting to promote the Lifetime movie that Mario Lopez had coming out that aired directly after it, as well okay. as to promote KFC, who I'm assuming footed some of the bill for the movie. Got it. I saw a tweet earlier today, someone explaining that their wife uh, admitted that they thought that the tie on the KFC logo yes. was actually his little body. And now I can't not see it. And I think it's the best thing. <laughs> I know. that's. Uh, I saw that as well. And it's true. I was like, what, what are they talking about? I looked at the picture. I was like, okay, you know what? Fair enough. Um, yeah. Never would have you thought wouldn't. that before. No. Because, no. Mostly just because I know what a bolo tie is. Sure. Uh, <laughs> not that that's exactly yeah. what that is, but it's kind of in that family, I guess. Yeah. Well, you win this round, Internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. It was hilarious. Uh, I was listening to the Levitar show today, and Dan prompted them to discuss it. Only one of the guys had seen it. It was Billy, of course. And he literally gives a synopsis for the whole fucking movie <laughs> on that live national radio on ESPN is a fantastic awesome. sabotage of all things that they're doing on the show is only oh, that's great. Um, and just cause none of them had seen it other than Billy and they're just laughing to him, literally giving them like a shot by shot like synopsis of the, you well, can't even call it a movie. It's a fucking short, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, this family and they have this new, chef and the mother the matriarch of the family is broke because the father left them with incredible debts you know they were a super rich family with a with a mansion and the daughter is gonna marry this you know other rich family and it was gonna solve all their problems but she must marry for love and she meets you know the young sexy but also brushed gray hair and mustache Colonel Harlan Sanders, the new chef, and he's going to create a secret recipe that's going to change the world. And hijinks and sue. This is fantastic. It is. Part of me, how how much of you wants to know, like, uh, did you Google if it's based on a true story? (laughs) (laughs) I'm quite certain it's not. (laughs) Um, Honestly, one of the best gags of the whole thing is just someone who looks like Mario Lopez being named Harlan Sanders, um, hmm. which also made me go back and watch some of the great commercials over the years. Some of the Norm Macdonald ones were really good. Honestly, right. just as like a conceit, I don't think the commercials were that great, but just as a conceit, George Hamilton being the extra crispy colonel is so phenomenal. That always cracked me up. There was I don't a- remember that. Oh, no. <laughs> they had George Hamilton as the extra crispy colonel. Which is exactly what you think. It's just a way too tan Colonel Sanders. Okay. I think, actually, I think I do know what this is. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I'm pretty sure, was it, was it Dolly Parton who was one of them as well a few years ago? There was a bunch of them. There, there was, I think Rob Riggle. Yeah, Rob Riggle was Colonel Sanders for a while. But uh, this one, like, he's playing it straight. He's not pretending to be Colonel Sanders, like, you know, the way that they were in those commercials where, like, they were acting like the way that Colonel Sanders did in the commercial or whatever. But right. he's dressed kind of like him, except instead of wearing that little bolo tie, I think he's wearing like an ascot and That's or awesome. like a little like a little like silk scarf or something like that, whatever it is. And you know, he's not doing like the caricature, but like, you know, he's got, you know, immaculately combed hair that's very obviously been brushed gray. And he's got the facial hair, but it's like, 
not white. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so He's wearing like a too tight white shirt, button down shirt. That's like a t-shirt. And so you can see like his biceps in it. And like, he's like holding a clipboard and he's clearly flexing his like biceps. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's a one wardrobe malfunction away from a porno. (laughs) Yeah. No, a porn. How did we say this last week? (laughs) That's great. So it, it was worth your 15. Oh, it's absolutely worth your 15. It is the okay. exact right amount of time. Like, honestly, I'm not even joking. If all Lifetime movie things or whatever were this, I would watch them because it is hysterical because it's so <laughs> bad. But it's not fucking absurd at 90 minutes long. It's 15 minutes because there isn't enough story to carry. Like, right. it has the same amount of story and plot and dialogue as those movies do. But <laughs> in one-sixth the time or whatever it is. Right. With, like, 100% less establishing shots. <laughs> yes! There was, like, one establishing shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad you watched it, though. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, I've got one here. This came into us two weeks ago, I think. Uh, I think it might have been, like, very, very close to when we were originally supposed to record. But... Uh, did you watch that Nobody Red Band trailer? I wasn't sure if you sent it or if Brian sent it. Which one was that? That's the Bob Odenkirk as John Wick, basically. I didn't see the Red Band. I saw the Green Band trailer. I didn't oh, watch okay. the Red Band one, but I saw one on TV a f- couple days later. So I'm that, oh, that, kind of familiar with what you're going to discuss. That's fine. I'm, I'm all in on this movie. I didn't know if it was supposed to be a joke. I don't think it is. I know, but the way it started, I thought it was supposed to be a joke. I thought it was supposed to be a recipe for seduction, but John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. Right, right. And no, it, it's just it's just Bob Odenkirk as a badass. Which I don't <laughs> understand because he is the least physically intimidating person who's attempted any of these types of movies that we've seen this mm-hmm. renaissance for the last decade plus, you know, with Liam Neeson and Kevin Costner and, and well, honestly, you know, Keanu Reeves and a couple of like, other actors over the, the course of the years. Sure. It's older guys who should not be kicking everyone's ass who are kicking everyone's ass and like your mileage is going to vary with that some of them are pretty good some of them are pretty bad i, I think they're get- having trouble suspending disbelief because he's so small and slight i think they're going to play the whole thing up through the marketing material and through the entire runtime of the movie where you know who he is you know he's a very funny guy and during the whole thing they're going to take it so seriously that you're going to be like wait is it a joke or isn't it? And that's going to be the whole gag. <laughs> I think that's what this whole thing is. The thing is, he is a really good actor, but this is like is. the one thing he can't pull off con- like convincingly to me right now. <laughs> well, he was doing a pretty good job in the Red Band trailer up until the give me the kitty cat bracelet line. <laughs> <laughs> that that was a little hard to to take seriously, but it looks fun. It looks like a really fun movie. It does look like it's fun, which is kind of why I was wondering if it was intended to be a joke at first. It's a very February movie. <laughs> well, right now, that's the only movie that we're about to have, basically. Because <laughs> there was that shitty movie with Russell Crowe earlier in like the summer. Oh, or stop. Stop. How dare you even give that credit as being a movie? Well, whatever. I mean, I didn't see it. All I know is that's the type of thing that would be dumped in February, typically. <sighs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh god that 
That movie gave me the willies. I, the trailer for it. I did not, not even the movie. I didn't see the movie. There's no way in hell. Uh, although that, I, I'll have to consult Jesse. I would assume that that movie would land squarely in the in the bad movie night repertoire. Would he really but, subject himself to that four times? I mean, he has done with worse. So Well, we don't know it was worse. Well, we, actually, that's true. There's only one way to find out, I guess. <laughs> it's to watch it four times. That's right. Jesse, keep watching this. Um, anyway, I'm excited about that. That's like February 26th or something. I mean, listen, there's nothing else. Who knows? So, like, I'll probably watch it if it's available without me having to go to a movie theater. That's right. Speaking of which, we can do Tenet soon. That's true. I have to actually pick up. I think that, that is that that was out this week, right? Might have been I have to, go, I have to pick that yesterday? up. Yeah, I think it might have been yesterday. I'll have to pick that up. It's usually Tuesdays, right? I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Um... Do you want to do any other news and nuggets before diving into Investor Day? Do you want to split Investor Day up? How do you want to do this? Um, I mean, it thematically, it probably makes sense to do it all together. I would worry okay. that it slogs, but sure. um, it does make sense to kind of get it all out in one. All right. Do you want to do that now or do that at the end of news and nuggets? Let's do one more newer nugget because I still have a couple of right. things. Okay. Get uh, um, how about... Oh God! Frank Herbert's son visited Dune set and said it will quote forever be the definitive adaptation. Okay. <laughs> well, I would think that's positive considering both of us are cautiously excited for this movie. Sure, sure. That doesn't change anything for me, honestly. I just uh, <laughs> it's it will be what it is when we see it. <laughs> well, sure. It's not, it's not the most ringing endorsement. Son of guy says good. <laughs> Well, I mean, he could have come out and said, this is a fucking travesty. They've embarrassed my father's legacy. That's true. That's true. They could have said that. And I probably would have had the same reaction. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I was no. Like, there's no. There's no way that this is more of a tarnishing legacy than the movie, the other movie. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. The, there was a couple of quotes in here. Lord of the Rings beginning, Al. <laughs> I was I was very impressed by the trailer, and I was thrilled to actually see the set in Budapest last year, where my wife and I watched the filming of several scenes. This is a really big movie, a major project that will forever be considered the definitive film adaptation of Frank Herbert's classic novel. Fans are going to love this movie. Denis Villeneuve is the perfect director to do Dune, which is kind right. of what we had said at the time yeah. when he was tapped to direct it. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm equally I'm as excited as I was before the story. That's really what I'm getting at. <laughs> hey, at least at least you didn't have negative excitement after the story. That's true. I <laughs> shit. I wouldn't want to have what is it? ISE. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me another one. You got another one? Your nuggets are pretty good today. What do you got? Spider-Man 3 bringing back Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus. Multiple people. Oh. Members. Okay, okay. My, the way I quoted it in my notes was Spider-Verse Redux. Because I was going to say, out does. of the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the amazing Andrew Garfield will be back, as will Kirsten Dunst's MJ from Sam Raimi's original trilogy. Um, try, I'm having trouble with the like quick scroll on my keyboard, so I have to actually literally click. Awesome. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> Just get a new computer already. <laughs> I'm trying to hold off. What's a spoiler? 
It's a question worth asking these days. This is on Collider, by the way. <clears throat> As more and more comic book movies is first reported... That is terrible grammar. As more and more comic hmm. book movie news is first reported by fan-driven blogs drawing from leaked set photos. For example... Is Alfred Molina's oft-rumored and now-confirmed return as Dr. Octopus in the next Spider-Man movie a spoiler? Will the character appear in the film's marketing materials, or is return a, quote, reveal in the script? I won't pretend to Mm. know, but what I do know is that the constant drip, drip, drip of comic book movie news sure has made the movies themselves feel anticlimactic. But if that's what people want, then who am I to argue? Uh, I think that's a fair fair assessment. Sure, I just didn't realize we were getting, like, analysis in this article. Hmm. Because guess what? They're all coming back everyone <laughs> just like jamie fox is electro andrew garfield will be back and if sony marvel can close a deal with toby mcguire he'll be back too Carson dunce will return as mj and i expect emma stone to reprise her role as gwen stacy pregnancy permitting why because this third spider-man movie starring tom no Holland, she died <laughs> <laughs> so did dr octopus no he fell in the river <laughs> Do you not know who death is? <laughs> <laughs> He's just sleeping. <laughs> this third Spider-Man movie starring Tom Holland will delve into the multiverse, just like its animated counterpart, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I don't think... Oh, can we get Nick Miller in this, too? I don't oh. think it's a big secret at this point. <laughs> so why do we pretend it is? Because we love the pageantry of it all. Scrolling, scrolling. Truthfully, I'll never understand why fans want to know... Very, uh, I don't care about it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, John Watts is back to direct the... New Spider-Man movie, which once again will co-star Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Tony Revolori, and Marissa Tomei. This time around, they'll be joined by Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange, as the Sorcerer Supreme will serve as a mentor of sorts to Holland's Peter Parker. Do you mean as the doorway to the multiverse? <laughs> well, I imagine he'll have something to do with that, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is slated to come out almost exactly one year from today, December 17th, 2020. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. Really? That's pretty cool. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Didn't know that was going to happen today. Great. <laughs> so I was able to provide you with a new and nugget that gave you extra. Excitement. Yeah. Gave you TNE. Yeah, TNE. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no what, not TNE. What was just, a, just enough or on the upper end? Didn't you're we have pro- something for that? You're properly whelmed? I'm properly. I'm whelmed. Are you sufficiently yes. gruntled? I'm so- <laughs> I sure am. I sure have. That's that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah, it, it is a little odd, right? To have the they, they've muddied Spider Man like way too much on the screen. Like they're on the verge of that, or have surpassed it with Batman as well. Where it's just like there's too many renditions, and like they didn't really stick with it. Like so, Into the Spider Verse is fantastic. It's a great movie, and it came out. In the midst of other great Spider-Man movies that are happening. I'm thrilled <laughs> that there's two versions of this. But now you're doing also, this one. And also, by the way, that great video game that came out at the same time that everyone loved. Oh, my God. The video game is so good. <laughs> and there, so there are three distinct, separate iterations yeah. of Spider-Man that all have incredible popular appeal. Like, there's not like one of them is off in some niche. Like I guess technically right. the video game probably has the least viewership of the three but still pretty significant just by the nature of the medium i would say and a ton of overlap yeah it's it's pretty wild uh but uh, i'm kind of curious so like dipping into the, the thing that they all do well is they they stay in their lane and they do their own story 
But now you're if you're gonna split into other existing Spider Mans, you're you're kind of veering into the Spider Verse lane. And I don't know if yeah, like so that's the weird thing. That's the confusing thing to me is why do this exact same thing so close to when that already just happened in a way that was like if, if like Spider Verse bombed and or like no one saw it, I can understand. Well, we could do it bigger and better, but right, it was critically acclaimed and beloved by the fans as well. So, mm-hmm. but they also the other the other thing about that is Spider Verse hinted heavily at the the original trilogy of movies as part of the Spider Verse in the in the animated one. Did they? I, I forget. Um, yeah, they even they they do the dancing down the street thing and they say yes, even that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. So that's that why just I was felt just... more like a like an Easter egg like type of nod. Sure, sure. And I get granted they didn't know where this script was going. I'm sure um, at the time. But, but why not though? Because they're both overseen by Sony. Yeah, I wonder how close to the chest uh, the writers on the Marvel side of the house keep things though. It doesn't matter because Sony, like Amy Pascal, is involved with both of those projects. Oh, that's a good point. Then I have no idea. Maybe maybe there's a reason. Maybe we find out that. Maybe they're going to somehow bring in Miles from that animated one in a real life version inside of this. And you find out that it's all part of the same and you're just viewing it through a lens. Yeah, I mean, I guess I imagine that will be what they're doing. It's just it seems an odd choice to go to that well again. Yeah. So soon after. like It's only what a year or two ago, like two years ago. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, two. I think it was two years. I don't know. I've lost that. I have a hard gauge. It's a. I'm, it's hard to gauge that shit right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was about two years ago. Because if now, if you say I saw that movie last year, you're wrong. It was probably two years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, so it's it got to have to be two. Of twenty. I think it was a February joint, wasn't it? Or maybe it was February. A good February joint. No, it might have been. It might have been holidays. I don't know. Anyway, was, was it uh, a Lee joint? It was just, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's cool. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. I uh, I have faith in the MCU, so we'll see what's up. Yeah, I mean, like they've been doing a pretty good job of it. So, like, I don't know why I would doubt that they will again. Hey, dude, I was I was almost exactly right again. December fourteenth, twenty eighteen. Nice, nice. So that's like, whoa. Isn't today the 14th? Oh, no. Today's the 16th. <laughs> cool. Um, sweet. Do you have any... Uh, what, what other nuggets you got? Um, well, do you want to break up the stuff and do Star Wars Marvel? I don't know. Just... We'll finish off with the Disney stuff. Because I, okay. I have the entire thing. And there's some other nuggets in there that we need to go over. So, Okay. So, I have a super quick one before then another one. Um, Indy 5, it's Mangle directing. Harrison Ford's officially signed on. 78-year-old Harrison Ford is going to reprise his role as as Indiana Jones. Is it a shot-for-shot remake of The Last Crusade, but he's his dad? <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> I'd be like, how surprising would that Is be? this an I'm my own grandpa situation? Oh, I am my own daddy. <laughs> What? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, yeah, so they're making another one. What, do you, how, what are your thoughts? <sighs> so, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I'm with I'll, you. I'll uh, watch just, it, but like the last one wasn't good. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. No. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. For me, it's like I there's something magical about those, you know, those older movies. Um, going back to it is going to be it's either going to make it it's going to help it live on a little bit longer or it's going to completely tank it. Uh, Terminator, for example. Uh, but I, the, I just, well, the thing is, unlike Terminator, right? Like, you don't have to worry about the time loop thing. Sure. I honestly, even all this time and all the poking fun at it, I still can't quite put my finger on what didn't work about it. About which movie? Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. I have to rewatch it because I actually, I remember watching it and being like, I'm enjoying the ride. Like, I'm not blown away. I'm not, oh, this is my childhood Indiana Jones, but I was fine with it. And I know that people were like up in arms about it at the time, but I was, whatever. Um, I will, I'll rewatch it. Let's rewatch it and do it. How about that? Uh, okay. I mean, sure. Yeah, at some point. And then we could figure this out. But that being said, there's a lot of talented people in the world that write and a lot of people that haven't made a movie yet. Where it's like instead of dipping back into the well on something that's it's it's a little tired, a a new idea could be the next Indiana Jones. You know what I mean? Like just go like I, it just seems like a waste of resources for something that is not like at the, it's not going to be. And I know this is pessimistic to say it's not going to be a Last Crusade or Temple of Doom or Raiders. It's not going to be that. It's going to be a sequel nod to that older thing that we used to like. Well, will will this be the last crusade? I thought the last crusade was the last crusade, but maybe mm, that's a great question. This crusade will be the last crusade. The last crusade. This time we mean it. <laughs> <laughs> the last crusade. The, the, Indiana Jones and the you really keep going pass. before he crashes. The Benetton Man will pass. knows before God. Yeah, uh, Indiana Jones five. We chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it would be if it were a like a family guy trilogy why have they not done that <laughs> see if, if you know, anybody can they can go back to the well and do that stuff that'd be great i've wondered for a long time why they wouldn't tackle something like that or something like lord of the rings oh yeah yeah that'd be pretty great i need to because rewatch they those have, they have a deep enough cast of like recurring characters to do it i'm not saying they all like fit perfectly in the way yeah. that like a lot of it did with Star Wars, not all of it, but like a lot of it did with Star Wars, but th- they could do Lord of the Rings, like it would work. Sure. Yeah. I, I hey Al, uh, it's happened by the way. It was like it was last week. I was in a fog of pain, and I was like, I think I want to watch the Lord of the Rings. I didn't, but I think I want to watch it. And uh, now I'm now I'm getting uh, ramped up to purchase the 4K Blu-rays. You know, I spoiled myself this football season and finally bought Sunday Ticket where I could watch all football games. Spoiled. See, I was waiting for you to finish that sentence because I thought you said you soiled yourself this weekend. I shit my pants this weekend. And, uh, and I, I had this thought. I spoiled myself this season and bought Sunday Ticket so okay. I could watch all the football games. So my intake of lord of the rings this year has been pretty low because typically that's a classic the nfl is forcing me to watch one football game right now it's not a particularly good one and during the commercials i'm gonna look for something to flip to and oh look at this tnt is playing all of the lord of the rings back to back today let me flip back and forth and occasionally i'm gonna miss a drive of the football game because i'm engaged with what's going on with lord of the rings because Are you I not have, on that picture in picture? What's that? 
Are you not on that picture in picture? <laughs> no, 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 because whether it be the game or the movie, I want the full focus at the moment. Got it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, um, so because I have all the football, mm-hmm. I have not watched any Lord of the Rings during gotcha. any of the football Sundays. Gotcha. Okay. So you're taking a little break. You can admit it. It's too much. Oh, no, no. I, I, I actually miss, I'm, I'm actually missing it. Is my point. Not, not so much to like not watch the football because I, I sure. paid for it and I have it. But right. I'm saying, oh, by now I would have surely watched it parts of all three of them twice in the last three months because they usually do them once every few weeks during right. football season. There's a couple of Sundays where they do Star Wars wall-to-wall and there's a couple of Sundays where they do Lord of the Rings. And I've caught a little bit of the Star Wars because they usually do it Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So on Saturday, I've caught a little bit of Star Wars, but haven't caught any Lord of the Rings. And I'm missing I on, I on-off watched Empire and Jedi last weekend. And uh, mm. it's really just... It was in a good spot. I was very happy every time I looked up for like 10 minutes to watch what was happening. Great, great films. I really enjoy them. I have a note on Attack of the Clones. The horrendous romance of that movie. There is one silver line. The theme song John Williams wrote for Padme and Anakin's romance is a really legitimately great theme. Yeah, it's solid gold. I, I will hum and or whistle that song mm-hmm. especially like if the like i was watching it and i was humming it for most of the rest of the day and as frustrated as people may be you can't pretend that you didn't jump out of your seat the first time you saw yoda flipping around like a madman oh no i still legitimately love that yeah it's great it's great i uh i think i'm gonna get yeah i think i'm gonna get into the prequel trilogy next yeah the thing is i realized the other day that most of the times that i was like ooh, i'm I'm ready to watch, like, I want to watch Star Wars again. I always would start with four, and I would, like, start watching four, five, and six. And I would trail off because I would, like, not, I've seen them so many times that I don't end up following through. So I realized I've seen A New Hope so many times (laughs) at this point that I kind of just skip it right now. Um, And I'm looking forward to the time where where I'm like, ooh, I haven't seen that in a minute. But it's not, it's not yet. (laughs) I've seen it a lot in the past few years. Well, that's the thing where it's like, I've seen all of all of them a good amount the last mm-hmm. five to ten years, except Phantom Menace. And there's one specific reason. Because starting on a Saturday, at least once a month, TNT puts on all of them in chronological order. And right. Phantom Menace it goes on at like, like 7 a.m. 7 a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and spoiler alert, I'm not out of bed before nine. So right. at best, as I fire up the TV to have some breakfast on Saturday morning... I might be catching the final five minutes of that movie before it goes directly into Attack. It's a good five minutes. Well, it's just the it's just the celebration. It's a parade. Like, Get y'all ready to go for the next. <laughs> is that Life Day? Is that the first Life Day? <laughs> I mean, it is similar because they have the orb. <laughs> oh man. So good. I want to watch that too. Maybe that's what I'll be doing over this this uh, these 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 holiday weeks. You should also be watching the Hobbit movie so we can do that episode like we planned for. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I'm more excited to go Isn't that crazy? For some reason I'm more excited to go back to the Lord of the Rings extended versions even though I put myself through torture. Well, it's because you know that despite the fact that you had a very specific traumatic event surrounding them, 
that they are a legitimately great movie. That's right. Right. Um, yeah, that's fine. Uh, can I get those? To the, are those in 4K? Uh, well, he he just did like a update to them for the 4K release. I don't think they're actually out yet, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. And people were all panicking and he's like, guys, guys, I didn't do the Star Wars thing. I didn't reshoot stuff. He goes, I just realized that while we were converting it to 4K, some of the stuff, like, you can see, like, there was, like, visual, like, inaccuracy, but, like, mm-hmm. like within scenes or from scene to scene, like, where, like, you know, so I just touched up some of the stuff so that, like, the lighting was the same. Okay, that's fair. The, that's uh, what he, he said. Obviously, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I, I want you to know, I, so I googled Hobbit 4K. The oh, first those thing are 4K, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the first thing I saw was the Hobbit trilogy, Walmart, $70. Next thing on the list. The Hobbit trilogy, ninety dollars at Target. It's, it's a pretty drastic difference for yeah. Ninety at Best Buy, ninety from Warner Brothers. Lord of the Rings trilogy, a hundred and forty dollars. Both trilogies, you're paying a premium for a better movie. <laughs> I mean, that is how it works, correct? <laughs> not when you go to the theater. It's not. No, but generally, you pay more for things that are better. Like in most other industries. <laughs> sure, I can I can get on with that. Uh, although, uh, also the oh amount man. of content is significantly more. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, did you end up getting the complete non-film tangent? Did you end up getting Cyberpunk? I downloaded it last night. Have not had a chance to fire it up. Oh, you did. You what? might want to get a refund into, or I mean, you're gonna get a Series X, right? Yes. Okay, well, so that is if you'll, one is available. I was furious that I was not able to find one online yesterday. You, you'll you'll be fine once you get one of those. But it sounds like it's a hot, hot mess on uh, the Xbox One and PS4. Hot mess. Well, I had specifically seen the PS4 was the issue. Yeah, yeah, but you have a you have a OG Xbox One, right? I do. Yeah, you don't even have a One X. Yeah, yeah. it's. I'm pretty sure it's a hot mess on that as well. Oh, that's unfortunate. All I'm saying is it sounds like 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 there's some really tremendously terrible things like frame rate, like real bad frame rates, like horrible texture popping, things like that, where it clicked for me the other day because I had been listening to a lot of podcasts covering this. They were saying how bad it was on those platforms and how unacceptable it is and so much so that they're giving refunds if you want them. Uh, And then I watched Elf. And Walter Hobbs shipped the book without the last two pages. And I was wondering if he was in charge <laughs> when this game was pushed out. <laughs> I, um, I don't understand why they're having such issue because this game was developed for... That's, that's the whole scandal. Yeah, that's the scandal. Right? Like, it, yeah, it would be doesn't, different doesn't if, work on those. It, <laughs> yeah, like, it was, if it would be one thing if it was developed for the Series X and ported to this, but it sounds like it's going to be the other way around, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, Is it going to work on neither of them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, IGN had put out their review initially for the for PC, because that's what they were given to review it on, and they went with a 9, which is exciting. Uh, and then with all of the crap that was going on with the consoles, they did a second review for those Xbox and PS4 versions of it and gave it a four. <laughs> it so. sounds like they were given the review copy of the PC for a reason. 
Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, so all the outlets, they also weren't so allowed to use their own, their own, what is it called? Their own clips. They had to use like the stock ones that were provided to them for like review footage. That's, I mean, they were flex. <laughs> it was a heady play. Shady, More, play, but a heady play. Yeah. More on that on Game Bites. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be willing to tune into that. I guess we'll probably discuss it some tomorrow. I hope Probably, we- yeah. Who knew? I'm not a teacher, but at 30 years old, I'm going to snow day tomorrow. So I would That's awesome! On playing some cyberpunk. So, well, the thing is, my job is extremely driving intensive for, like, everyone in the company. So... Sure. Um, yeah, we planned ahead. Thank God. Um, and mm-hmm. we will not have to drive through the foot or two of snow tomorrow, because I just nice. wasn't going to do that, is what was going to happen. So I had a theory... I played my hand, and Mother Nature called my bluff. So I bought a snowblower, <laughs> thinking, you know what's going to happen? Is if I buy it, you won't get snow. snow. Right. Uh, but turns see, why, out, like, why did you bother wrong. buying the snowblower? You have such a small driveway. Like, that's a good workout. Yeah, but I really hate shoveling snow. Like, I hate it with a fiery passion. And I, I already like work out daily. Like, you get to a so, foot of snow. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh, I mean, I know your your driveway is large. For whatever reason, the surface area of my driveway is ridiculously annoying to shovel. You know what it is? All of the snow has to go to one direction. Mm. There's no splitting. Because there's the neighbor next to me. It's their driveway. I can't... And there's a small strip of grass. I can't throw snow left. All uh, the you snow... Can, you can do some. You can do some. All the snow... <laughs> All the snow in the double wide driveway has to go right. So, see, two thirds of my driveway are slanted more substantially downhill than the other mm-hmm. third. So, it would end up being a similar division of labor to what you would be doing if you did just some to the one side. Sure. So that's what you do: is you cheat a little bit. You do the one strip down the driveway under the street because it's going to get plowed. Hmm. And then from that strip, like that strip, you're going to put roughly one third of the way oriented towards your neighbor's driveway. Mm -hmm. And then that third on, you shovel into the strip. And then the other two thirds, you push to the other side. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's all about, you know, it's like, it's kind of like playing Minesweeper. Like you have to come up with a strategy based on the layout of what's going on and Mm -hmm. optimize from there. Because that's what I do. Go all the way down the left side and you right click. Exactly. So I do one strip. I got it. (laughs) I do one strip down nearly the middle of my driveway. And then because it's at an angle, I do big long swaths down into the one side and then shovel over the short side. Sure. See, now that I have it though and it is snowing, I'm not upset. I'm really excited. (laughs) No, I mean, you'll have fun. I'm just saying, like, honestly, like a snowboard would be great for my driveway. Oh, yeah. I feel like. You're going to spend as much time like navigating in like nooks and crannies with your snowblowers. You're going to be actually blowing the snow. No, I have no nooks and crannies. I have a rectangle. No, but like you have your two cars, and so you 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 blow all the snow away from one area. So the cars we park them offset. So I blow all the snow away from one area and pull the other car up, and blow all the snow away there, and blow all the way snow to the right, and pull the other car up, and I blow away any excess snow. Done. I've got this whole thing worked out. <laughs> Actually, you know, my brother came to stay here today. So between his car and my car, all of our cars, there's, there's five of us. We have six cars in the driveway. The Between the six cars, 
there'd be very little for us to actually have to shovel tomorrow, like as far as surface area, like relative to the size of the driveway. Sure. Sure. My dad has his old work car that he hasn't been able to Got sell it. yet. And his new work car. So Got it. What's his new work car? A Honda CRV. Nice. The same as his old, old work car. Why don't we just put a plow on your new truck? I could. Uh, it wouldn't work super great for the driveway, especially sure. with the five other cars. But um, Maybe it could be a good Samaritan. I could, because that was part of the reason why I told my boss that even if we didn't have the snow day, that I probably wasn't going to show up to work tomorrow, because they always plow our neighborhood last in the town. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. they frequently hit other places twice before they come to us once. Oh, dude, years ago, when I lived at my parents, they, our house was on a giant, you know the hill. I don't know oh, explain oh, it. I'm really I'm explaining to the, it's, the listeners. It's a San Francisco style hill. It's a San Francisco style hill. It's a dead end. And I watched as as a, as a wee lad the plow come up the block and you getting excited and then it turning right and just It never came up. Never coming up the block. Oh no. It's so <laughs> It's close completely too. savage. That, that now, street is directly across from your neighbor's house. <laughs> I know. In the in their defense, there's a, there's a chance that it, they would have clipped something. Sure. Although, in the city, aren't you not supposed to park on the street during the snow? Mm, it's not like that in their residential area, at least. No? No. I mean, in a I lot of places, it is. I thought in it lo- wasn't allowed, and or, like, they, you would only be able to park on one side of the street or something. No, there's, there's specific signs that explain those rules. Okay, and obviously I don't know yeah. what the specific signs are about your parents. Yeah, no, like they'll be like no, no, you know, no parking during the snowstorm or alternate side parking during X or Y. There's a lot of rules in the city. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, ever, no, hate it. It's, no, I have a driveway now. I love it. <laughs> it's great. Well, your parents have a driveway. It's just very small. It was yeah, a driveway <laughs> that, that, that we have. We could fit four in ours. I like it. Yeah, they can fit one. Yeah, one and barely. a half. One one and a half, maybe, yeah. Like if you, but you would get a ticket though. You 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 get a ticket for doing that type of stuff. Oh, I'm sure you would. I'm just saying, like you technically yeah. could get a car there, right? You could get it. It's in the street, but it's not so far in the street that it's past the other cars that are parked. Yeah, yeah, parallel to the curb. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, news and nuggets. You I got any one. more? Hit me. Um, is it your best new? No, the best one was probably Recipe for Seduction, honestly. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers to debut entire 2021 film slate, including Dune and Matrix 4, both on HBO Max and in theaters. That's right. I remember that. Uh, that was a yes. couple weeks ago. Yeah, so that one came out the day after the last recording we did. <laughs> and I right. was like, guys, you couldn't have given us this fucking yeah, a little tease. hours. Twenty-four taste. hours earlier, yeah. and then we, you know, we missed last week. So it's old news at this point. There's been more news around this in the time since. But just rather than read like the whole whole thing here, I figured it would just be kind of discuss like yeah. So are on this, my question for you is: Is this the Disney Plus situation where you have to pay extra for those movies, or do you get them as part of the subscription? Well, let's see what it says here at the top of this article, which I don't remember because I put it in here two weeks ago. Um, when Warner Brothers announced that. Wonder Woman 1984 would land on the streaming service HBO Max on Christmas, the same time it debuts in theaters. Many expected it to be an isolated experiment in response to an unprecedented pandemic. Instead, 
The studio will deploy a similar release strategy for the next 12 months. In a surprising break from industry standards, Warner Brothers' entire 21 slate, a list of 17 films that include The Matrix 4, Denis Villeneuve's Dune remake, Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical adaptation of In the Heights, The Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark, and The Suicide Squad, will debut both on HBO Max and in theaters on their respective release dates. The shocking move to release movies day and date underscores the crisis facing movie theaters and the rising importance of streaming services in the wake of a global health crisis that decimated the film exhibition community. All right. A couple questions on that. Is the film industry doing but prior to the pandemic? Were they doing that bad? Yes. Were they? So the, not the film industry, the movie theater industry was doing poorly. Okay. The movie exhibition industry is what they were talking about. Movie theaters have been shuttering in, during the time of the pandemic. One of the major chain shutdowns, Regal, I think. One of them I don't know. Sh- shuttered completely. It's not AMC. Okay. It's not Cinemark. It's not... What's the other big one? Isn't there another big one? Uh, there's, a, there's a handful of odd ones out there. I'm pretty sure it was Regal. not 100% sure. One of them shuttered okay. for good. And all the little mom and pop ones are heading that way as well. Like it was Regal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's not an issue with the film industry. It's movie theater industry is dying. Because, you know, people have the ability to watch in 4K at their house. And other Hmm. reasons, too. Um, As far as the film industry itself, while there is being a lot of money, a lot of money being made on, you know, big releases, obviously, the middle class of movie has died for all intents and purposes. And where it still exists, it's been shifted to streaming. That's fair. Indie films that are being made. And there's Mm -hmm. Marvel, Star Wars like Warner type movies, you know, DC movies being made. And that's basically it. Mm-hmm. The rom-com has shifted entirely to streaming into to television. The mid-budget drama and action movie barely exists, if at all. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm more curious about is prior to, again, this is not this year, not withstanding like we were not i'm not including anything this year i understand that this would that 2020 would impact things negatively prior to that though i found that the movie theaters at least in the ones that i've gone to in my area like in my bubble seem to be more and more crowded each there year. was i think and i i had some thoughts on this a couple months ago as to what was going on and i kind of don't recall now i don't think we discussed it on the show there did seem to be a little resurgence two years ago, like above just the fact that there was big event pictures coming out. There mm-hmm. seemed to be a little bit of a resurgence. Obviously, 2020 has totally snuffed that out. It may be for good. It may not be. I don't know. I will say that the shuttering of, of major companies will hasten that. And this would seem to be a likely death blow because an entire year post-vaccine in which you could be going back to movie theaters. There, first of all, there's still going to be like the kind of PTSD of all of us, sure. Not not wanting to, even if you feel, hey, I've got the vaccine, you've got the vaccine, like that should like. There's going to be a collective fear, at least in the places that have embraced actually social distancing and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of states, towns, counties, whatever that yeah. haven't done it throughout the. Like, yeah. I live in New York. You live in New Jersey, so. It's been very different here than it's been elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There's going to be in places like this that have embraced trying to not kill each other that 
there's going to be a collective fear, I think, for a long time about it. Like, even after I get the vaccine, I'm going to be a little wary of going to a movie theater. I'm going to be a little wary about going to a baseball game or a football game. Like, it's sure. it's going to be odd or a concert or whatever. Yeah, I I understand that. And I understand that in the short term, it's going to take even more of a of a hit than maybe it would have before, which that's it's the hit that it was taking before that I'm not sold on. But that's again, I, I'm living I'm talking about the bubble within I live like, that I live within like it's not because yeah. I, I don't know what the movie industry is like outside of the places that I go to see the movies. Right. Well, I can tell you All I, mean, I know is that when I some. see the I've read Sorry. into it some in the last five years or so. So, like, I've been, like, kind of sure. aware of the trend in general. I can tell you that right here at home, like, my the movie theater is closest to me, the one that I go to the most often. Like, last year, it shut down totally unannounced. New ownership bought yeah. it a few, like, a month or so later, whatever it was. And their rollout of the new theater was really choppy for, like, months where, like, they weren't getting all the new releases. They were really not serving the customers very well. Um, mm-hmm. It was like tough. Yeah, to but I, see, like there's there's the other. That's the other part of it too. Is in my experience, I've I've been going like you know I've been close to the movie theater my entire life. I've seen movie theaters that I've gone to shut down, but in my experience, they've shut down because a bigger name theater with more of the amenities has opened up in a reasonable distance to it. And so that's, that's what that's killed not the case. Up. That's not the case here. Like there are big yeah. ones, like, um, but the big theaters are whichever direction you drive, thirty to forty minutes away. Like there's right three or four. Of yeah, them it's a lot that are big, great theaters. But no matter which direction you drive, they're in thirty to forty minutes away. So, like, some of the movies we've done over the years, I've gone to some, one of those theaters because it wasn't available at my theater. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like, if I'm going to see star wars or whatever like i'm gonna go to this theater because obviously they have it yeah but like when we did yeah. free fire i had to go somewhere else to do that mm-hmm. ah great movie I, know, I, was about, <laughs> I was talking about it pretty recently i forget exactly why but i was talking about it pretty recently so it was kind of on my mind as you should uh all right i've got this article pulled up on the verge the 52 things Disney just announced. <laughs> this was from the Investor Day. That seems low. Uh, sorry. Yes, that, you're right. That does sound low. Um, when I clicked into the article and the link itself says the 52 biggest things. So, <laughs> Well, I was actually just making a joke, but it does actually seem a bit low. <laughs> it does. So um, I'm going to scroll through this list. I'm going to rattle things off. I'll, you know, not not like rapid fire, but just pause me if there's anything that you want to go through or I'll pause if there's something specific that I'm interested in. Um, so the list starts off with the Marvel Disney Plus series, WandaVision, and it's upcoming January 15th release date. Interested? Yeah, just because it looks fucking weird. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right, cool. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier also finally got a full trailer. I did not see the trailer. End of March release date. Neither did I. Okay, are you excited about that at all? I wouldn't say, like, excited, but it's, like, that's not going to be one where I'm like, okay, I got to watch this when it drops, but, like, I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about the, the live-action Marvel Disney Plus show. Just so much so that, like, The Mandalorian has been great. I'm curious. 
how that will translate to a Marvel show on the platform and see where I, it goes. I, I expect it'll look really good the way that the Mandalorian does. Uh, I Great. actually even expect these will probably have a bigger budget to start than that one did, which That's seems a good point. to say. I don't know why that would be the case, but... I think you're right, though. I think I, I do think correct. that the Marvel, Marvel reaches a wider audience. That's... Eh, uh, marginally. That's uh, kind of... I think, I think it's... I think it's pretty fair to say that Marvel would reach a wider audience and Star Wars might reach a louder one. Yeah, but I mean, like, Star Wars always sets box office records is all I'm saying. Like, you know, like, they, like, have an incredible... Well, the other thing I'm saying is, well, I would say that the Marvel audience is wider, but the Mm -hmm. Star Wars audience covers more generations. Yeah, that's fair. So... That's fair. Like... I think Star Wars is probably still edging at fifty one forty nine, as I guess kind of my hmm. thesis. Um, but regardless, the they're gonna make these two shows essential in some way. We may not know mm-hmm. what that way is until like the whole season ends. But like, well, hang on, let's let's not stop with these two shows because there's a whole bunch more. I'd be curious how much of these you think are gonna be essential. I would assume they all are. They are. They're gonna force it because Marvel has done that in a way that Star Wars has not yet. Though they are trying to now. They are mm-hmm. adopting the Marvel um, model to some extent. So each of these shows is going to have something that you, quote unquote, can't miss to get what's going on with the big picture right. Marvel stuff. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Uh, so we also got a first look at Loki with a uh, May 2021 release date. So a lot of this stuff coming out with relatively quick succession over the next year, it sounds well, it's because we've already supposed to have gotten those other two shows. But now, like now, I'm kind of curious. Like, does this mean like with a uh, January and then March and then May? Are we getting like? Is it like every weekend? Are we getting a new episode of something? Probably because because that's awesome. If that's the case. <laughs> yeah, because those shows weren't supposed to be that long, right? They were only supposed to be like six or eight episodes long. I would I would assume so because I, I as even if they marketed it up and whatnot, I would assume that every single one of them is a pilot season. To see how what the interest is and to see yeah, how I mean, long they, they're going to stick with it. They obviously weren't planning on doing it this way. Right? We were supposed to have gotten each of these two shows. The first two shows you mentioned. We were supposed to have gotten them this year. And obviously, due to COVID, have been pushed substantially. Hmm. Um, Hawkeye is coming in late 2021. Honestly, that's the least interested of the four that you Sorry, mentioned. late fall. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, what If, an animated series. I... Don't know anything about it. Have you that heard about one this one? That will certainly be the least essential of them. What mm-hmm. if is literally a hypothetical? It sounds like right. it's going to be kind of a like what's that? Um, the Neil deGrasse Tyson show that I think also Carl Sagan did a version of, like where it's like the outer space type show where it's like the hey, like hypothetical stuff about space, but instead it's within the Marvel universe, right? So like it's not going to be canon, right? Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to read this next paragraph because it actually, there's a bunch in it. So Faye also announced three new series coming to Disney plus Ironheart set to star Dominique Thorne engineering protege Riri Williams armor wars, which examines one of Tony Stark's biggest fears and stars Don Cheadle, who is reprising his role role as <laughs> that was hard to say his role as Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes. <laughs> And Secret Invasion, the previously rumored Nick Fury-led series that will see Samuel L. Jackson reprise his role as the S.H.I.E.L.D. director alongside Ben Mendelsohn's Skull Shapeshifter Talos. 
Did you just call it Meddlesome? Meddlesome. <laughs> <laughs> it popped up. Like, that's not my joke. That popped up in like a, I think it was like a, a cinema sins or a, uh, or a, okay. a, or one of those trailer ones that we like honest trailers. Yeah. And it's just stuck with me because I found it to be so funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been wondering if they were ever going to tackle what that's all about, considering that reveal in Captain Marvel. Uh, no, sorry, not Captain Marvel. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Or both, mm. I guess. Both? One of them? I don't remember. Um, regardless, uh, I, I'm curious about that one, just to see if that has any impact on like the bigger universe, what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um... Marvel Studios is working on a new Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special for Disney Plus due out in 2022. That seems like a (laughs) way too far off to even mention. Well, some of these things are right because like they still haven't casted the lead in Moon Knight. They've announced that it's going to happen. And I believe the trades have announced that they know who it is. I don't remember who it is who's playing Moon Knight, but whatever. Um, They're doing a whole She-Hulk and everything, too. Right. So, yeah. She Hulk, uh, Miss Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel Two, um, some casting announcements there. Uh, so that was under the uh, the title Marvel Disney Plus series. This is under Marvel Movies. Feige, is it Feige? Is that how you say? It? Yes, Kevin Feige. Feige, oh, Feige, you pronounce the G? Feige? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, you kind of cut confirmed. out for a second, so I thought that the G just got, like <laughs> lost in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Feige confirmed that Black Panther 2 will not recast the late Chadwick Boseman's King T'Challa. Uh, good move. Just kind of excited to see how they handle that. Um, and I'm sure they'll do something great, but that is the right... I think that is the right call. Yeah, I don't know. I'm torn on it because totally getting rid of that character considering how much weight was supposed to be put on his shoulders like going forward mm. seems odd. But on the other hand, I get wanting to respect him. Did you see they cut that new intro to that movie? They did like the you know like the Marvel thing where like they show like the scenes or whatever that's through before yeah. every movie. They did just his scenes. Oh, uh, oh, uh, fantastic! Yeah. Oh, that would. I don't know if I could watch that. Yeah, it's it's, it's that's heavy. Um, um it's still yeah, set for a July 2022 release. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so obviously they're going to have to substantially rework not just that movie, but what going forward in the MCU, what that role is supposed to be. The speculation has long been, right, that you'd have Shuri probably take the role, but maybe they mm-hmm. push M'Baku to the front in this case. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to see where they where they go with it. Um, third Ant-Man in the works, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is going to introduce Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Okay. I've heard that name uh, before. Uh, this says, comma, one of Marvel's biggest villains. And I was like, I know of the name. <laughs> yeah, because I had heard some rumors as to whether or not he might be one of the next like crossover event movies, if he would be the one. So maybe this tips off to that. I don't know. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will tie in to both the upcoming WandaVision and Sony and Marvel's third Spider-Man movie. Yes, we knew that. Mentioned, yep. And then uh, finally, I think they announced Rachel McAdams is returning. It doesn't say that here, but uh, this is only the fifty-two biggest things. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, 
That was number fifty-three. <laughs> That's fifty-three. We had to. It was a. We had to. We had to make some tough choices. We had to follow the line somewhere. <laughs> uh, Marvel Studios is developing a new Fantastic Four movie. Just which we, we knew. It's fine. Just don't talk about it. Did they date it? Because I'm gonna just say 2025. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. At that Month? point, we'll have. At that point, we'll have had at least a decade since the last movie. That's a okay. decent amount of time. I think that's fair. That's probably about right, considering the the line. Finally, Marvel Studios is developing a new Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> finally, that's Fine. a little no. Fi- finally, as in in the list, not finally they're doing it. <laughs> I was going to say that's a loaded term there. Because... <laughs> Yikes! All right, let's get into Lucasfilm um, ten Star Wars series. Jesus, I can already Some tell early you de- the one I'm most excited for, and it's the Acolyte. You're least excited for, you said? No, most. What is that one? I'm not entirely sure, and that's why. That one. Okay, okay, I'm down with that. Well, it's part of why. So, I, I know we talked about it, it was a few months ago, maybe it was last year, I forget. Preface to all this, I, I don't remember the episode, obviously, too lazy to look it up. Also, don't want to break the stream of consciousness here. We discussed, they announced, they were delving into this whole multimedia project in a new era in Star Wars, previously untouched in the canon, called... The High Republic, which was supposed mm-hmm. to be roughly 400 years prior to The Phantom Menace, obviously covers a span of time. So there they started, they announced this whole big thing. They hired all these authors, these writers, they're doing comic books, they're doing novels, they're doing like stuff on the on like the computer, like internet, whatever. They like announced this whole roster of characters who were gonna hmm. feature heavily across these interconnected works. And so the Acolyte sounds like it's going to bridge the gap between the prequels and the High um, Republic gotcha. era. Heavily rumored that it'll be a show, if not focused on, certainly featuring Darth Plagueis the Wise. Okay. Interesting. Um, if you look on there, you'll see when you get to the Acolyte, the little blur. Wow. Sorry. I'm playing <laughs> songs. Uh... Yeah, it, it, this this note doesn't say anything about um, really anything about it unless you dive deeper into it. But okay, set, I'll look at Acolyte set in the High Republic. Yeah, you you keep going. Yeah. With what you were All right. So we've got two new shows coming as spinoffs of The Mandalorian. Um, that is yes. Rangers of the New Republic and Ashoka, which is which cool. I, obviously, we had seen the. Ahsoka reveal in that episode. I was kind of hoping we get her again in this season. Obviously, that seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. That it'll be in the finale, but seems unlikely. We'll obviously get more of her in her own show. The other thing, which I wasn't sure they were going to, but obviously they've tipped it off now. Cara Dune joining the Rangers, the New Republic Rangers, seems to tip off. Whether or not she's involved with the show, because I've heard there may be some trying to distance from the actress, that maybe she won't be in it, but I would seemed to indicate that she would be because why bother going through all that? But obviously that was shot well before all of that. Sure. Stuff, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, we've got the bad batch an animated series about the bad batch of the clones. That um, trailer was badass. Obviously I'm super looking forward to seeing that. After I did. I didn't see the trailer, but I'm in, I'm in, I, I want to watch that. Well, you didn't get to watch the last season of rebels when it came out, right? No, I'm, I'm in it now. I think it's four seasons, right? Um, or five. Oh, sorry. Did I say Rebels? Clone Wars is what I meant. Oh, no. Clone Wars I didn't watch. I am going to watch it, but I did not watch it. 
Well, that was that new season that came out earlier this year. They were the oh, first okay. arc of the season. The arc was the season right. was split up four or sorry three four episode arcs, and they were the first arc. So we've got Andor coming in twenty twenty two, which we knew about already. I'm mm-hmm. Did we know that. the Did we know the year? Did we know it was that's when it was coming out? I don't remember. I just know that they had fully announced the show and that Diego Luna was going to be back. Which, by the way, I saw him in a random ass movie in from two thousand three called Open Range. Interesting. Uh, we have Hayden Christensen returning as Darth Vader in Obi Wan Kenobi. Still confused by that one, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I imagine I'm flashbacks. Flashbacks. Yeah. I was thinking so when I was younger, uh, around I feel like it was it was probably between the first and second. Um, actually, I think it it was between the first and second episodes. Uh, there were these series of like basically kids books that were like Jedi Apprentice. And okay. I I feel like it was, uh, I think that was like, I, th- I think they were stories of like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And I was wondering if maybe they would do something so far as leveraging that de-aging tech and doing Obi-Wan and Anakin, like flashbacks to things that we never saw in between the movies, like of their relationship and their, tra- and the training and how that played out. And maybe the frustrations. I, I imagine some of that sort of stuff, or maybe like, reframing some of what was going on not necessarily during but around the time of revenge of the sith type of thing like kind of mm-hmm. leaning towards like to give greater context to like anakin's fall maybe yeah um like maybe i'm wondering if it's like obi-wan going through his memories like where did i miss it you know what i mean like, yeah like, at, yeah. at what point did it like you know what could i've done differently type of thing because like that mm-hmm. actually could be it could be cool. It could be interesting and informative and like character study. I know that they've said it's kind of perfect. The age that Ewan McGregor is, he is kind of halfway the, between the age of what he was in episode three and how old Alec Guinness was in episode four. Hmm. So he is perfect to be playing a nebulous time between the movies. Dude, uh, spoilers for rebels because I'm catching up slowly on that, but the end of the actual end of Darth Maul. That okay. First off, it was upsetting that it was only I don't know three and a half seconds. That that was my only problem with it. Uh, that being said, the way that they I, I want to say shot it, but I don't think that's the right term. <laughs> the way that they drew it, the way that that maps up so perfectly to the battle just just before their initial fight when the doors when that like door is closed between them and the way that those scenes pair up it's so good <laughs> and i, I was believe like, freddie prince referred to it as the visual language of star wars right like yeah obviously feloni worshiped at the altar of george lucas so he was going to give that the greatest fidelity to those the combination oh of my goodness scenes, mirroring the open and close of that storyline also gives now that you've seen his end, you, it gives greater context to that Rule of Two podcast he did with Amin last year where he talked about how Darth Maul is Sisyphus. Because mm-hmm. that death scene actually is a great bit of evidence to what he was getting at, where Maul knew he had to fail. Like, he knew he had to try, but also knew he had to fail in that moment. Right. You know, it's like, I have to try and hope it will go a better way, but I know it won't. And yeah. but like, I'll drive myself continually crazy if I don't go for it. 
Mm-hmm. But also, I'm definitely going to die, and maybe I'll get a measure of peace because of it. Yeah, oh, it's a great scene. I was very, I'm very. They, they, like I, the show was, I was like, always kind of good, touching, right? Like kind of touching. It's ramped that up. Final oh moment. yeah, for sure. Like it's weird sure. that the two of them should share like an intimate moment, not in like a romantic sense, but like an intimate moment together, where like the hatred is gone now, and it's yeah. just the begrudging. We both know. Yeah. We've lost, and it's right that we're here together in this moment. Sleep now. <laughs> it's basically. <laughs> um, I'll interject at this point because I found the in- the information I was looking for on the Acolyte. Uh, so yep. this is a blurb just kind of encapsulating some of the stuff they've released about it. The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that, quote, will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. The new High Republic books and comics will explore the new era and will focus on the height of the thriving powers of the Jedi, whereas this series will see the end of the prosperous period. Plot details Mm. for the Acolyte are scarce, but the High Republic novels and comics feature many female Jedi protagonists, and the show may continue the precedent given the drastic jump in time from previous Star Wars stories. There are only a handful of characters from prior movies and shows, such as a younger Yoda, who would be alive and active in this era, leaving the series to create an entirely new cast of characters so what i'd seen earlier in this article is this show is supposedly going to take place roughly 200 years before the events of the prequels whereas the high republic era that whole multimedia span of stuff is supposed to basically cover roughly 400 years to 200 years before right interesting um the next one on the list is a droid story uh which will feature a new hero alongside r2d2 and c3po it's good that they're still finding a way to keep Anthony Daniels around. I mean, like, he doesn't really have anything outside of Star Wars, and, like, he's been game for it start to finish. Like, he <laughs> I'm keeps fine showing up. too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps showing up. Like, he did actually probably get the most touching moment in the like, Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. Um, taking one last look at my friends. Like, that that got me in the feels, you know? Oh, it, it, it certainly did. It absolutely. Uh, cheapened by the recovery but it was but the thing was when they were having that scene i was like this isn't gonna stick like you you knew it wasn't so like it softens the blow slightly but that is like kind of an ultimate fan service moment for us to pay a tribute to c-3po who has literally been there start to finish as well as to be the surrogate for us in the movie of this is us taking one last look at our friends right yeah yeah um Here's that event word again that they like to throw around. Star Wars Lando is a new event series coming to Disney+. Plus. What does that mean? Don't know. Probably just means that it's a limited series. It won't be a thing that could be renewed for a further season, would be my guess. Um, Fair enough. Also, they've played very coy, which is to say they've been super vague. We don't know what Lando this is. Is it a real Lando? Is it an animated Lando? Is it... um, Oh my god, Billy D. I totally drew a blank on his name for a mm-hmm. second. Is it Billy D. Williams? Is it Donald Glover? Is it a new Lando entirely? We don't know. Yeah. No one knows. Uh, Star Wars Visions, an upcoming anime anthology. I cool missed too. that announcement, actually. So, so I mean, That's it. There's no other news on that piece. Now we have Star Wars movies. Oh, I was going to say, there was movies, too. <laughs> um, Patty Jenkins will be directing Rogue Squadron due Did you 2023. See that I didn't know there was a teaser. No. Oh, well, no, sorry. It was different. You want to fire it up right now? Do it. Kind of do. Is it? Is fire it time? Up. All right, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, it takes like a minute or 90 seconds, whatever it was. So, yeah, uh, it was pretty badass. Just pipe it in. We can listen to it together. 
is an ad. And skip. I love to move fast and speed of any kind. I think that that's because I grew up the daughter of a great fighter pilot, and every day I would wake up and go outside and look up, see my father and his squadron taking off and their F-4s roaring across the sky, and it was the most thrilling thing still I've experienced in my entire life. So when he lost his life in service to this country, I, it ignited a desire to, in me to turn all of that tragedy and thrill into one day making the greatest fighter pilot movie of all time. But try as I might and look as I did, I couldn't find the right story ever. I kept looking and looking, but I just couldn't find the right one until now. Now I found a movie about two things I love. So I'm gonna see you very soon. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That was, okay. You want chills, uh, goosebumps everywhere. That's so good. And that was with you already knowing that she was yeah. doing the movie. When I, I was saw like, the trailer, I had no idea. I saw it like so. Star Wars kind of just tweeted it out. I was like, yes, I will of course it, watch this video. You've yeah. out. watched it, saw it, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's so cool. I uh, I will say so. She's uh, what you're not seeing, obviously. Uh, she's putting. She's getting like putting something. Oh she was rollerblading first off, which made me go. Am I watching the right thing? <laughs> then she's sitting in the back of her Tesla and she's putting on, she's doing something. It looks like she's putting something on. And then she, and it closes with her, you know, saying what she, that the last line there, she puts on uh, a rebel helmet and then pulls the orange jumpsuit over her shoulders and walks out to an X wing. And then you realize that the high note keys on the piano are the star Wars music. And you're just yeah. like, Oh man, they know what they're doing. That's exciting. And by the way, for context, this will not be adapting any of the Rogue Squadron games. She is making an original Rogue Squadron story. Right. Right. So that's that's awesome. Okay. So we also have uh, Disney also discussed the untitled Taika Waititi Star Wars movie first announced in May. That tweet that you sent out, that you shared with me was fantastic. For, uh, what did he, what did he say? Guess. Yeah. Yeah. So um, on Instagram, he if my phone will open... Um, on Instagram, he put out uh, Star Wars put out like the original like post saying that Taika Waititi was going to be making a Star Wars Squadron or sorry not Star Wars sorry. Um, so from the Star Wars count a brand new Star Wars feature with acclaimed filmmaker Taika Waititi is in development. Get ready for an unforgettable ride. He reposted it with the caption, "What? Ugh! As a longtime fan of Star Wars, I'm so angry about what I am about to do to ruin it." <laughs> <laughs> he's fantastic um all right so we have uh, this we then move into disney animation uh where we have uh, raya or raya i'm not sure how to say it and the last dragon premieres march 5th oh so we're we have star wars we're done with star wars okay um we have baymax excellent baymax i guess is how i should say that uh, a series on Big expect, Hero Six. I did not expect two separate Baymax references made in the past week, but here yeah. we are. Yeah, Diane Kruger, Zootopia Plus. 
a new series based in the Zootopia universe hitting the streaming service in September 2022. Again, for the things that I'm quote read like reading directly, this is from The Verge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have Tiana, which is uh, based on The Princess and the Frog, premiering at Disney Plus, a long form musical comedy series for Moana. I liked Moana. I'm down with I that. I saw that one. Uh, Encanto. Actually, I haven't seen any of these movies that you've mentioned the shows for. I've not seen a single hmm. one of them. I have not seen Princess of the Frog. I've not seen Big Hero 6. I've not seen... <gasps> okay, so we're going to do Big Hero 6, because that movie is great. <laughs> I have not seen Moana. I have not seen... Ah! Ima- I'm imagining that last one that you just mentioned was the one with... Um, it was the, the Mexican like Pixar store, wasn't it? Which one? Oh, no. You're thinking of um, Coco. Yes. Is that not what you were getting to next? No. Encanto is set in Colombia with music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, when you said Encanto, I just assumed, because I know that music was a big part of Coco, so I just assumed that that was also tied into that. (laughs) And then uh, Iwaju, I I don't know if I'm saying that right, an original long-form series made in partnership with Kugali Media. I'm not sure what that is. Premiering in Disney 2022. Uh, And then we have a series of Pixar Disney Plus series. Um, I'm going to scroll through this real quick because I'm not super interested. Uh, (laughs) Then we have Pixar movies, um, which we have Luca, a movie set in Italy about a boy named Luca. So my cousin. We have Lightyear. about Luca Brazzi. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we have Lightyear an origin story on Buzz Lightyear oh yeah be... I saw that what the fuck Ooh, voiced by Chris Evans that's right Yeah. I was like what is this it's, which by the way it's a movie or show sorry which, which one was it was a movie or it's a movie Pixar movie it's a movie about the in universe actual that's right Character Buzz Lightyear that the, the in-universe real Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on, which is insane. It so is good. insane. Uh, I'm gonna read this one verbatim. Turning red about a 13 year old girl going through puberty that transforms into a giant red panda, and then in parentheses, yes, really, when she gets excited. Oh, the punctuation threw me off. There she turns into a giant red panda when she gets excited is in development. Oh my god. Good for that. That's I think that's good. Now, um, more overt or less overt than the way it handled female puberty. <laughs> Other series in the works. Um, we've got Noah Hawley making an alien TV series for FX on FX and Hulu. FX on Hulu? It says Sorry. end. Sorry, Brian. We FX on Hulu. Brian every time we say it. Not TV, it's HBO. Uh... <laughs> Will, Will Smith and Chris Hemsworth in a National Geographic series. Uh, Ice Age getting a spinoff series starring Simon Pegg in. In! <laughs> uh, right, what else we got on Disney Plus? Uh, what? Wait a minute. I don't think they know how to do math. <laughs> oh, no. Disney Plus is increasing its price to $8 a month starting in March 2021. Isn't it $8 a month? Isn't it? Six ninety nine. Oh, maybe you're right. Anyway, it's increasing to seven ninety nine. Look out! Um, Didn't Netflix just announce a price hike too? Fuck all of them. Fuck all. Disney's new bundle will offer ad free Hulu plus Disney Plus and ESPN. That's too many pluses. You can't do that in a headline. 
1899. It's actually a good deal. That I was going to say, that's a pretty decent... Yeah, that's not that's not bad. Um, Disney unveils... No, 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 not interested, don't care. Okay, so that, that didn't seem like 52 things even remotely. But I did see also, something... I stopped caring after the Taika Waititi movie. I... I haven't seen any of those animated movies, so I don't care about the tie-in shows. I don't know. I just didn't care about any of the Disney stuff. Well, there was one that was left off the list that I thought was part of this. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. No. The Mighty Ducks is coming back. (laughs) The Mighty Ducks 4 featuring Emilio Estevez. (laughs) I think I totally missed that one. That's the Mighty Ducks Game Changers release date confirmed? Question mark? This is not a great, a great link. Anyway, I heard about this just before we started the show, um, and I got, I just, I, I really, I wanted to start saying quack, and then realized if I did that nobody would join me because I'm alone in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I decided against where, it. What, where's, where's Garbanzo and Chickpea? Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's it for Disney Investor Day, but that's a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool. Yes. A lot of a lot stuff of that we're not going to... I'll see a bunch of it for a while, but pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, that I'm, I think out of that, I mean, probably because it was the only one that I watched the teaser for, that Rogue Squadron teaser really got me amped up. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, right. It's time for fun and games. Um, I have one. What I will be watching. Ooh, curveball. What will you be watching? Uh, well, today on Amazon they dropped the new season of The Expanse, so I will be watching that if I can nice. find time. Nice. Which is going to be uh, tough between football holidays, movies, and Lord of the Rings. TV show, Lord of the Rings, Cyberpunk, sure. and also currently unannounced Spintune projects. Oh, excellent, excellent. Good, good, good. I, uh, you're talking about what you may be watching soon. I will drop what I have just concluded, and that is Five seasons of Outlander. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, took me by surprise. Um, it's, it's entertaining. Kim watched it by herself. Really, really loved it. Wanted me to watch it. We watched it together. We got through it way too quickly. Uh, that's That show's got some dark moments. <laughs> that's, that's what I've heard Dominic and his girlfriend Emily watch. I don't know if they're fully caught up. I think they were watching the most recent season, but I don't remember if they actually finished it or not. I've never watched, but I've heard the two of them talking about it. There sounds like there's some really dark shit in it. Um, Maybe that's something that can be discussed in future unannounced expansion projects. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it goes places for sure. All right. With that, let's get into some fun and games. What do you say? Sure. Today I have for you, we know... Which Christmas movie matches your personality based on the holiday things you choose from BuzzFeed? But, all right. How many items are on your Christmas list? Only about five. I was too busy to write a full list. Um, ten-ish. Do cookies, cakes, and syrup count? Is Santa really going to bring me anything? Is he really real? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and a Nerf gun. <laughs> Wait, sorry, Cole. Oh, there's more. Cole, oh, there's more? Yeah. Cole, bah humbug. A computer, all the better to blog about you, my dear. Oh, sorry. You said this was like my Christmas wish list or my like to-do list? I, I... How, mu- how many items are on your Christmas list? Okay. Um, technically, I don't think I ever really made one. 
I don't think I ever mm. told anyone what I wanted for Christmas this year. I might be getting nothing. It'd be great. Mm. Um, by great, I'm not. I'm not about the tell me what you want for Christmas. I'm not about that. I want. I want to just get people things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes and no. It depends on who you're shopping for. Yes, that's fair. Um, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Okay. Well, we'll have one, and, I guess. And the Nerf gun, to be clear. Yes. What's your favorite part about Christmas? The hot cocoa cookies and endless desserts? It's oh, a time of giving. Tonight. Nice. It's a time of I made Kim a boozy hot cocoa before I came down here. That's exactly what I had before I came down here. So Nice. It's a time of giving and getting, but giving is most important. Family. We all get together and have a good time almost all of... Oh, boy. Um, traveling. This, it's tougher this year. <laughs> traveling. There's a whole world to see out there, even if I have to work. What? The magic. Can't you just feel it in the air? Slamming the door in the carolers' faces. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> um, let's go with the family one, I guess. Okay. What time are you waking up on Christmas? When my me- when my family members wake me up around 10 a.m. just in time for breakfast. I'm still not convinced Santa's real, but 5 a.m. bright and early. I never went to sleep. Santa's coming. I went to bed at 6 a.m. It was a long night of stealing or sorry, buying Christmas decorations. 7 a.m. There's a schedule to keep too. Um, Jesus, probably some combination of 7 a.m. and when my family wakes me up. This year, it'll certainly be when my family wakes me up. Nice. I'm curious. Well, we're not how hosting this is gonna... anyone this year, so. Yeah, I'm curious how this is going to translate to a movie. Who's cooking breakfast? Me. Can't wait. Everything is going to be deliciously sweet. My dog. I trained him to pop the toast. Significant other. They know what I like. Parents. They flew in just to cook the whole meal. The caterers. I've been smelling it all morning. I woke up by myself, so maybe there's bringing something back. Maybe they're bringing something back. Sorry. Is that a Home Alone? That's for Home Alone. That's 100% for Home Alone. Oh, I don't know. I read that more as a... That sounded more like, like you know, when you hook up with someone and then you wake up and they're not there. Like that mm. old trope in like movies and shows and obviously real life too. And it's like... I always think of Hitch where she wakes up and he thinks he's gone. She thinks yeah. he's gone, but he's actually getting eight different coffees and teas and then he comes back and then she's like, yeah. oh, great. You know, but um, yep. I guess I'll go with my parents okay what's on the menu hot cocoa with marshmallow pancakes french toast and syrup a banana maybe some plain oatmeal and definitely mimosas eggs bacon fruit i gotta check some emails for work coffee and a discussion about christmas that's start of the day just me myself and i so cereal sorry the first one it says something about french toast what was the whole thing Hot cocoa with marshmallows, pancakes, French toast, and syrup. Mm, That's too much. Let's go with bacon and eggs. Okay. And work. When are you opening presents? Like I said, there's a schedule to keep. It's 9 a.m. sharp. Coffee, then food, then check to see if Santa ate some cookies, and then presents. I don't care when everyone gets here, I guess. After dinner, the whole family will have returned by then. I was too excited. I might have peaked last night. Um, didn't we do that before breakfast? Um, I guess the schedule a 9 a.m. one, because the mornings of Christmas are always scheduled. Where are you watching your Christmas movies? Freeform, Netflix, Vudu, Lifetime, Prime, all of the above. Freeform. What is Freeform? It used to be ABC Family. 
Oh, interesting. It's basically the exact same network. They just changed the name. I don't, I don't know huh. why. It's late afternoon. What are you doing? Still watching Christmas movies? I did say I had some emails to check. I've moved on from mimosas to spiked eggnog. It says egg no, but I refused to say that out loud. <laughs> Crashing from all this sugar. Did someone say nap? Cleaning. There are guests coming over. Trying to peek at who's creeping up to my house. What? The one about egg no. Egg no. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the dinner menu? Turkey. My parents are cooking up, so I'm showing up to eat. Uh, my significant other is here. They cooked roast chicken and potatoes. I'm in charge of only care about the desserts, so a chocolate fountain. Ham. Uh, family just got back, so we're ordering out from our favorite places. Um, the first one, although we don't do turkey on Christmas, we do big old roast beef. Nice. No, not roast beef, prime rib, sorry. Nice. Better. Much better. Finally, oh. how, are you ending, how are you ending Christmas night? Sleeping. I have work in the morning, but Bay is next to me, so it's all good. Snuggled up on the couch watching the classic Polar Express in Polar Express in on. I'm assuming that's supposed to say is on. Probably. Probably. Uh, sidebar. Polar Express. Garbage movie. I pass out <laughs> after all those. <laughs> after uh, you know, those. I read the book as a kid. Obviously, I liked it because every kid likes the book when they're a kid. I had aged out by the time the movie came out. Sure. I, I mean, I watched the movie for the first time last year. and I've not. seen parts of it but i've never seen the whole movie i know my mom hates the movie but she liked yeah. reading the book when we were kids she, she, she knows she knows what's up i pass out after all those drinks with a cookie in one hand and a cupcake in the other under the mistletoe pucker up with my family i really missed them more than i thought um i'm sorry was the one with the cookie and the the cupcake separate from the drinking and passed out yes the uh, drinking and passed out I would like to select both of those. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you got home alone, which is great. Um, say hello to my little friend. You are one tough cookie. You know how to take care of your home and yourself. You're not to be messed with, but you also have a soft center. You love your family, even when they get on your nerves. Otherwise, you wouldn't love Christmas the way you do. Right? That's pretty accurate, actually. I thought we were done with the questions. This is supposed to be a result. <laughs> uh, so you got Home Alone. Kim and I were trying to go through this uh, before we, 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 we cut to go to the movie. Um, Kim and I were talking about this earlier, and we feel like we were missing a classic Christmas movie. And we had, I'm going to, let's rattle a couple off, and I'll tell you if it was on the list or not. We had Home Alone. We had Elf. We had Jingle All the Way. We had uh, uh, Die It's Hard. a Wonderful Life. We had, what'd you say? Die Hard. With Die Hard, uh, White Christmas, uh, you know the National Lampoon's movie. Even though we're not, we're, neither of us are a big fan. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. There's the Deck the Halls, um, the Santa Claus movies. There's something. There's something bigger that like we both felt like that we were missing a big movie that like. Well, you didn't say Rudolph, so. I'm thinking more of like a, like a theatrical release okay. type movie not a yeah not like not like the classic the christmas classic i do have those on dvd though which i'm pretty excited about i haven't i should okay. tap into those okay so you're looking for like a live action yeah yeah i feel like there was something big that we missed and she felt the same way yeah so i mean like what i would consider like yeah so you mentioned white christmas christmas vacation um elf you did 
Um, Christmas with the Cranks. Four Christmases? I said that. She hadn't seen it, so that wasn't on her list. I never saw it, but... Oh, duh, yeah. you're missing the one that they play every... all Like, for 24 hours on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas oh, Christmas Eve. Story. Yeah, neither of us care for that one either. Oh, I don't particularly like it, but that is a classic. Yeah. No, we were thinking more along... Like, both of us were like... Like, it was almost... It was almost it's like as if it's on the tip of your tongue, but you don't even know what the movie's about. Like, there, there was something missing, I thought. You didn't mention either of the Grinches. Oh, uh, we did, that, that did come up. The Grinch was on the list. Lethal Weapon? No, it was more of a it was more of a direct <laughs> direct holiday movie versus an indirect holiday movie. Moonstruck. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, any movie with snow. <laughs> oh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Snow Dogs. Maybe that's what it was. I'm gonna have to ask her if that's what she was Either thinking one. about. Both. Interesting. Huh. All right. Hey, with that, Al, what do you say we get into our flick of the week? Sure. It's a Wonderful Life, released in 1946, rated PG with a two-hour and ten-minute runtime. An angel is sent from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would have been like if he had never existed. That is your IMDb synopsis. I think that's really funny. I think that's an amazing thing considering that's an amazing synopsis considering that's like the last act like the the angel being sent like everything else sets you up for that right but that's the last maybe 20 minutes of the movie yeah or maybe even a little longer i guess half an hour or so um it's (laughs) the even though I i do think that it's overall got a pretty good script um it almost feels like two separate movies that were stitched together in some ways. Cause like mm. the first two acts, despite the occasional, and I mean like once or twice cut to the angels narrating it. Right. Like has nothing to do with it. We have no idea where that's going to lead to eventually. Right? Sure. Sure. But then once, the, once you have the whole package, it makes a lot of sense, right? Building up the character. Sure. Giving you a solid understanding of his background and his patterns and how he does things. Um, yeah. Before we dive too deep into that, though, why don't you give me your tweet length review? Well, before that, I'm going to read that uh, this was. You want to go award season? First five Oscars, six Oscars. Um, yeah, I read that too, and I was like, what are you saying here? <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> yeah, I'm five Oscars about. and six other? <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role for Jimmy Stewart, Best Director for Frank Capra, Best Sound Recording, Best Film Editing. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, what beat it out in 1946? Uh, that is a great question. Well, I guess technically it's 1947. Um, is when the oh, it's a good point. Actually good point. is. Um, Oscars. 1947. Oh, Jesus Christ, of course, it's going to be obnoxious in the order it gives me the things. <laughs> yeah, they're just all over the place, right? It's like <laughs> sound it's like editing. Actress, something yeah. totally random. <laughs> Winner for actor was Frederick March in The Best Years of Our Lives. I know that's supposedly a classic. My parents love that movie. So okay. um, I'm assuming that's the guy who's got the hook hands in the movie, would be my guess. Not 100% sure. The Best Years yeah. of Our Lives is about these, I think, four friends, like, in the time from like world war two on for like a decade or something like that. Okay. And it's like how 
like the guys come back from war and reintegrate in society and like the women they marry and mm. stuff like that. So interesting. I'd watch that. I want to watch some more older older movies. Um because there's something special about watching this. Uh give me your give me your give me your tweet length. What do you got? What do you got? Sorry, I was trying to go see what won best picture, but of course it's in an obnoxious, obnoxious That's fine. Directing was the best years of our lives as well. Hmm. Um Best Most Picture. Guess what? Best years of our lives. Oh, look out. <laughs> I guess I should have guessed that after all. I mean, right? what, yeah, what were you expecting? That's on me. <laughs> well, what did we find out? Like, this was like the, uh, the, this was the first year of the giant snub, right? Where it wins everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was great. This was great. This was great. Movie. <laughs> Movie as a whole. I'll buy it. Without further digression. My experience review. A small story about a small town man takes an incredibly dark, depressing turn before giving way to a cocaine snort of nostalgia, feels, family, and joy. Oh my god. What even <laughs> is this movie? Wait, what was the last part? What even is this movie? <laughs> Seven out of ten. Okay, alright. Uh, I, I think I have the answer to what I was going to ask you after I read mine. A simple, heartwarming, home-hitting, grounded human story, It's a Wonderful Life, expresses a message that should profoundly resonate with today's viewer, begging you to take stock and appreciate what you have. Nine out of ten. Uh, I was going to ask you where you stand. on. I know, like, there's a lot of classic Christmas, like, oldies, like, old old Christmas m- movies. Um we're doing now it's the second year in a row that we're hitting an old one. We did White Christmas last year. We're doing uh, this is a one. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life this year. Uh, do you? I, I was going to ask you what you preferred. Did, did you have a favorite? And it seems I think It's a Wonderful Life is your. Uh, what's it called? Uh, White Christmas is your favorite Christmas movie, though, right? So I feel like it goes without. Yeah. So I have my like. There's two Christmas movies I hold above all other Christmas movies. They're not particularly similar, so I'm okay with having them tied. Uh, mm-hmm. My two favorite are White Christmas and Christmas Vacation. Right. And everything okay. else is competing for third place. Gotcha. Gotcha. I uh I am going to be rewatching White Christmas this year as last year was the first year that I saw it and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Which still blew I, my mind. Yeah. I hadn't seen this movie in a very, very long time. Um and I forgot how much I liked it. And uh, so it's gonna be a tough call for me on between those two, which I prefer. I don't I wouldn't I'm I don't know that either one of them are necessarily gonna be in my number one slot, considering that I wasn't watching them when I was younger, and something that has the nostalgia draw is probably gonna be number one. Um although that being said, I rewatched Elf last night. I think Elf is a good choice for anyone, and it's probably mine. <laughs> it's so Yeah, good. I mean that would probably be the front runner to land in third for me. Um even though like I'm not by far the biggest fan of Elf, meaning like there are so many people who mm-hmm. love that movie so much more than I do. I really mm-hmm. like the movie. It's a legitimately good movie. I've actually grown to appreciate some aspects of it more as I've gotten. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's mm-hmm. all those things. There's honestly, one of the things that always gets me, it's such a stupid little thing. Will Ferrell's delivery. When he tells the story about how he journeys to New York city, where he goes, you know, I pass through you know the land of of swirling, <laughs> twirling gumdrops, through the candy cane forest, and then through the Lincoln Tunnel. Like just, I don't know what it yeah. is. I'm not doing it justice, but there is something in his delivery of that line that gets me every time. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm with you. The uh, this pre this last watch of it, um, I was laser focused on uh on Walter Hobbs. Is that his name? That's that's his name, right? The, uh, the yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, J- James, James Con. Yeah. Uh, and one particular line that had always made me laugh in the past, but for whatever reason, it really hit me this time. And Kim and I kept going back, like kept bringing it up, was. Uh, <laughs> when he goes, we, like, we got to get rid of him. And the, the, the wife is like, we can't just throw him out in the snow. Why not? He loves the snow. He told me 15 times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was half watching it the other day and that scene was on. And that one, I think that's one of the ones that I've grown, like I said, grown to appreciate more through time. Like that's actually really funny with him just yeah. being the total straight man there. Like, yeah. with like pure <laughs> desperation. Like I, I truly do not understand why we cannot. I believe yeah. he will be happier. Actually. <laughs> I'm saying that both because it serves my agenda and because I sincerely believe it in this moment. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to It's a Wonderful Life. So I hadn't seen it in a very long time. This is one of your yearly watches, am I right? Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I do appreciate the movie. It is a good movie. Mm-hmm. The middle act is so soul-crushing to me that yeah. it almost almost outweighs the rest of it because i like the first act of the movie and mm-hmm. i like the well the final probably 10 minutes of the movie the most yeah um that whole cocaine snort thing i was talking about yeah um when you when just, you snort cocaine off an angel's wing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's just it does get really heavy and like i appreciate it like because like mm. you have to earn that co- cocaine snort at the end sure um but it's just not really what I need for my Christmas time enjoyment is what it comes down to. Like, gotcha. I am not, I don't always put a big emphasis on like, I need to have the happy ending and the big saccharine feelings. But that's what you're looking for. But in that specific moment of Christmas time, it is what I want. Like, yeah, the other months of the year, it gets there though. It does. It's just, it's, it's almost outweighed by the darkness that comes mm. before it because like there are parts of it that make me truly angry. I can um, see where like, you're coming from. At the from. movie and just like at the human condition, which is I oh, guess the yeah. idea to some extent, mm. but like to me for Christmas specifically, like I said, 11 other months of the year, you can give me some dark, deep, heavy shit. Like we've done a lot of it on the show. Like I've talked about enjoying mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. It's just not what I need for Christmas. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Where you, I totally get where you're coming from, and that makes that that's totally fair. I find that 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 long, slow burn in the middle that really drags you down. It makes for this incredible turnaround in the end with just such a punch of emotion. Uh, well, your your coke snort, my punch of emotion, <laughs> like where it's just like you just like you really. I feel like you really feel something at the end. Um. And it's, yeah, it's your it's your heart palpitations. Yeah, but it's I don't know it's it's something special about it. I really I I I really like this one, um, where it, I think if I if right now thinking about it, this one's freshest in my mind. I do want to rewatch White Christmas so I can give it a, a better comparison and and pick one over the other. Um, the first time the I think I maybe watched this once or twice in the past. I haven't like I said I haven't seen it a lot of times, um, but. I didn't realize that they had uh, added color for another release. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I sent you the picture of the DVD copy of it that I have. Yeah. And 
<laughs> I know as much as I know that that angers you. Mm-hmm. And I watched it in color for the first time in my life. I've always watched it in black and white. Say, uh, yeah, okay, so that's what I was that's what I was getting at is the previous time that I had watched it time or times, it had been in black and white on TV. Uh, this was on Prime and there were three options. And I was like, three? And the one was 4K and you had to pay for it on top of your Prime membership. And I was like, that's odd. Uh, and then the other one was the original black and white. And then the third was original color. And then I was like, oh, so I put that one on. I was amazed. I thought it was going to look a little, I thought it was going to look odd. I thought it was going to look a little bit colored in. Uh, but the way that th- that it was translated to color i'm not really sure how that went down like was it on a color film that they didn't have color means to project it like it looked very natural yeah i don't know how that worked back then what i assume is that it was shot on film that was color capable but that could be developed either way and because Mm. the mode of television at the time was black and white that that was the widest release right that that would make sense because Obviously, there's a black and white and a color version, and then it became black and white two color version of Wizard of Oz, and that movie is what seven years before this, eight years before this, something like that. Yeah, and I guess that's the interesting thing, right? Is that it's it, that, that's what that's what threw me off was that it's so like there, it's it felt like it was a natural color recording just because there's no there was no instance watching it where something felt off, which I I have seen things that have been colored. Yeah, that so you can I, I tell. I think I know I'm kind of speaking out of school here to say it like this, but I think back then the film could be developed either way. It's just that mm. it was cheaper it was probably to do it the in distributed black and white. And version was black the and white. version yeah. that everyone was going to see it in that anyway, makes, so that makes total sense. Did it is, but, but it, they had the option to do it in color if they wanted. I I really enjoyed it though. It added a, it added this layer of life to it. Um the, I, I thought the color just made uh, expressions on people's faces, like the 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 scenery. It made everything pop a little bit more. Um, I never really gave to like I I love seeing a movie like I loved watching Logan in black and white, right? Like I love going the other way. I never went in the reverse direction and been like, oh wow. <laughs> I've know? seen a couple of things that way. What I will say is, as much as generally. The black and white thing, for whatever reason, is odd to me. Maybe it's just because I don't see it very often that it's mm. like strikes me as odd. There are certain scenes and sequences that are almost kind of noir-esque that really do lend itself to the black and white, where mm. the heavy shadows and the grayscale actually, I think, adds a bit of character to what's going on in specific scenes. Sure. But in general, things being in color are more vibrant and lend a greater depth of character. But there are certain specific scenes like... Like the bar scene or the scene on the bridge, things like that. The bridge scene in particular, yes. Yeah. Um, Like being in black and white with the shadow split across his face as you can Mm -hmm. see the kind of madness as he grapples with what he's going to do next. Right. That is really tense and fraught in the moment. So I Mm -hmm. actually appreciate that in black and white. And I didn't find that the color added to that scene. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think more so like the school dance, the uh, the romance out on the street, the lasso down the moon scene, like those things in color, like thinking like, I don't think I ever, I never thought about like, it never clicked that he was wearing the, like a football uniform that he had pulled out of the lockers for me. Like 
and it's something about the color added a little bit more of an understanding of what was going on in the scene. The number didn't give it away. <laughs> well, I just like wasn't. I, don't, I guess I just like wasn't really paying attention to it. Like it, it was all kind of blurring together for me. Um, I love. I I really do enjoy things in black and white. Um, I I I loved photography when I was younger, and I took a lot of black and white classes, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I enjoy seeing movies in it. I just like I said, it's very rare, if ever, that I've gone from black and white to color versus the other way and been like, See, oh, I'm, I'm as excited. <laughs> generally, I find the black and white thing to be kind of pretentious. Like, in mm. modern time, like where it's like, oh, this is done in black and white, or oh, we converted this to black and white. I was like, you're doing that. Like, like that. honestly, like it feels pretentious, like in Roma, like that's, or mm-hmm. Nebraska, like that movie that came out a few years ago. Like, it's like, like you're, that used to be done because that was the only way you could do something. And then it was right. because that was the most accessible way for more people to see the thing. Right. And they worked within the confines of that in a way to like heighten that, but there are limitations overall to that, that color allows you to transcend. And so actively choosing to tie one hand behind your back to me feels like you're trying to prove a point that. I don't think it's worth proving. Mm. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing here. For whatever but how did you feel about, uh, did you watch the, did you watch Wolf, um, Logan in like Logan Noir or whatever it was called? The no, black and white version of it? I didn't see the black and white one. I, I really liked that only because the movie itself had the, it, it, it felt like an old Western, right? So like, I feel like having a, a version of it that even more closely ties it to that felt pretty cool to watch. No, but I remember the phenomenon when they re-released the first season of The Walking Dead in black and white. And I was like, but why? Yeah, that's not it. Yeah. Like, there's very few exceptions in the modern era where it really makes sense to me. Like, it made sense to me. And obviously, it's like a heightened, stylized version. And they kind of play within the confines where they do more so or less so. But like, Sin City, it made sense to me because they were playing up the noir angle and they were trying to make it look like a comic book. And so Mm -hmm. I understood that. And to some extent, I understand the walking dead thing because that is a black and white comic book, but they don't really shoot it in that format. You know what I mean? The way that Sin City did. So there's something with, with the walking dead, black and white comic book though. It's more that it's like the absence of other things. Like the, I feel like the panels are very focused, tightly focused on the specific thing that's happening. And that black and white helps with making that feel more detailed. Yeah. And you're talking about a full screen production of a TV show that was in color. It does. Yeah. For something like that, it definitely doesn't land. So like the only other thing that wasn't like a gimmicky thing in that regard, because those two things I just mentioned were comic book related. The only thing that I can think of in the last 30 or 40 years that did it, that is quote unquote a gimmick, but actually makes sense. And I think enhances it is Schindler's list. That's Mm. the only movie that really makes sense to me because it's being done, not from a filmography standpoint to prove a point, but rather as a part of the actual storytelling and thematic, like Mm -hmm. delivery of the story, the black and white to then be able to add the one splash of color in as part of the, the character development and like, delving into the entirety of what that movie is supposed to represent, the time period is supposed to represent 
I actually found it to be powerful in that movie in a way that I've never felt in any other movie I've seen in the modern mm-hmm. era. Now, something like Schindler's List, though, uh, was that shot... Do you know if that was shot on black and white film? Oh, you're definitely asking the wrong person. I'm not a so, cinematographer. I'd be curious, because I, I remember developing film, and a black and white role developed... like. W- developing black and white pictures from a black and white role had a, a very different look to it than a color role developed in black and white. And I'm curious. Okay, yeah, I, would, I would not know. That's not my forte. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to take a deep dive on that. Probably when we do that movie eventually. Um, since I have not seen it. Um, Wait, you've never seen Chandler's list? No, that's, that's one of the ones that's like high on my list that I just ne- haven't gotten to. It's so okay. strange. I mean, like I, it's not, listen, it's not, one that you fire up because like, Oh, like I love it. Like it's so dark, so heavy. It's yeah. the type of movie that honestly you really just need to see once. Mm-hmm. Like, you just need to see once to appreciate yeah. what it's all about. The story is incredible. It's obviously based on a true story. I, I, I honestly don't remember historically how much they like strayed from the source. I, I, I don't know. I watched it in high school like in school, like it was presented to us in a history class over the course of however three or four days, however long it took okay. us to watch it. Um, it is a really good movie. My recollection, even from the time, was that it was very powerful, both as film and as for what it was supposed to be representing. And I was not at all a cinephile at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the type of, like I've seen bits of it since then. It's not really the type of thing that you just go to revisit for the hell of it. Like, you watch it for a reason, whether you feel like you need to be connected to that material or whether you're studying it for some sort of art purpose, right? Like, right. you don't just be like, ooh, Schindler's List is on. Let me fire that up. Like, yeah. it is kind of taboo in that regard. It's why the joke stuck in Seinfeld in itself. That's a layered joke that is fraught with a lot of things that you have to carefully engage with where... Jerry goes to Schindler's List and with a date and they're making out in the movie theater while watching the movie like that is right. not a joke I would have written um, right. that, that Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David can write. It's not one that I would write, you know, right. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will definitely get to it and we'll do it on the show. It'll be great because uh, I it's so something that force I me to sit down and watch it again. I mean, yeah, exactly. 12 years or something like that since I've seen it. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to It's a Wonderful Life. I yeah. I love I love the performances in this movie. I think there is that this is a very early version of these people seem to really be getting along like on like they probably are getting along as much off screen as they are on. I I felt like him and his uncle George and his uncle uh, George and Mary mid movie uh, like like early on it's like a little contentious but like when they when they click it seems like it seems so natural. I thought the chemistry was wild. I think they do a really great job. I feel, and it feels like they're having a lot of fun. I do wonder, and I'm sure I'm misremembering or kind of overly paraphrasing, but I thought some of this production was kind of rough from what oh, I recall. Oh, really? And the reason I say that is, like, Jimmy Stewart was supposed to be a good guy and was a really good actor. Like, he served in the military, like... Actually, from what I understand, the military tried to hold him back from the front lines and he demanded to be a frontline fighter pilot, you know, and, you know, saw combat uh, despite 
the military's attempts to hold the famous actor away from that, you know? Right. And from what I understand, this movie, he used it as a vehicle to help process his trauma from being in the war, despite his need to serve, you know, leading to him wanting to demand frontline combat. You know, obviously, no matter how gung-ho you are, being it and seeing it, you're going to have trauma from that experience. Mm -hmm. So from what I understand, a lot of this movie was like, he used it as his, his time to help process that trauma of being in war. I wonder that seems to translate really well to the struggle that this man is going through as fulfilling the duty that of the, and the responsibility that he's put on himself at the expense of all of his dreams. Well, I think he could tap into it in his manic scenes, right? Like, he mm-hmm. could tap into that would seem like a cathartic way to go about things. Uh, so I do wonder, uh, you know, how much is acting and how much is outlet when he's really going down the rabbit hole in that. And some of mm-hmm. that leads to, honestly, like, borderline aggressiveness to his co-star in the scene, including his wife on the screen. Um, like now there's scenes where like things are good and then there you see the chemistry, but when things are bad, actually it makes me a little uncomfortable at times. Like it well, feels too real. It feels maybe like it's not even fully acting. Well, oh, uh, okay. That's, that's right. When I, too real, I feel like is a, it, it's, inter- it's an interesting line, right? Because it's too yes. real could mean that they're doing a very good job. Sure. But I, you know, I will use like, it, this is kind of the mirror image version of like the, joke I make about Ben Affleck being too real in things because he's not acting. He's just a douchebag. You know what I right. mean? Right. Um, this is like the opposite side of that where it's, I made uncomfortable because it's too real. It feels like he's not acting crazy. It feels like he's allowing the crazy in him to come out. And interesting. I I, I don't know. I, this is just, this is my read of it. Like from mm-hmm. like a critical standpoint, I, I'm not saying that because I know it. I'm not, Sure. accusing him of anything but to me that's how it struck me because i know some of that context sure i will say though like i, I it, it seems like a, for a good actor to deliver a believable performance the best way that they could do that would be to draw on an experience and it does sure. seem like that that's what's happening there i will say in those moments where it seems almost too real especially when he's being a little bit aggressive like there is there is something like the love that Mary shows for him in those scenes though, like do you like it, it? There's not a second that I don't believe that she is madly in love with him from day one. Yes. But and there's that, also fear too, in some of those scenes. And again, because of kind of how I made a little bit uncomfortable by what he's doing, I wonder if some of, some of the fear in her eyes is real. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be curious as well. I will until and until I know otherwise. I will. I will just assume that they are both tremendous actors. <laughs> sure. No, but like, but both things can be true, right? Like, sure. it's like it's all by degrees. And like Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart and and actually I forget her name. Um, they're all long since passed. So I I certainly can't ask them. Right. Donna Reed. Donna Reed. That's right. Um. And like, I don't mean any of this to tarnish it. I just know that because I know a little bit of the backstory, it makes me wonder at times sure. while watching it. But that being said, there is also great performance, even if you take some of those scenes out of the equation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 
there's the some even though you were mocking it and some of it is a little bit mocking worthy because it's just a different time right like the acting and script and direction was different then the movies were yeah. different then the scene when they're out together in the moonlight and he talks about wrestling the moon like it actually I is the moon down for you <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's just his voice right you know yeah. what i mean like yours is kind of bridging the gap between him and Don Knotts in that impression. Sure. But like, um, like he, that is good performance by him. And there's some great jumps to levity okay. and to like more deep, serious thing. Like uh, actually he cracks me up when she falls into the bushes and she's Oh like, yeah. And he's talking oh. about how he's going to sell tickets. <laughs> yeah. And like as fucked up as it is, obviously some of that is really, well delivered by him, you know. He goes, you know, well, no, uh, can't do that. You know, no, 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 that won't <laughs> Just work. Just the way he does all yeah. that, like, and kind of ruminating on all this, and like, some of that really cracks me up and is really great delivery. Oh yeah, so absolutely. Uh, that's that scene is is pretty fantastic. Um, and also that old man sitting on the the porch, you know, he goes, yeah, what are you gonna kiss her already? Whatever he goes, what? yeah, he goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's funny you had brought up the him being in in war and maybe maybe potentially pulling on that the a thing that bothered me maybe it it it, it broke my heart a little bit was uh, and it repeatedly broke my heart throughout the movie is the him constantly having to put everything on hold um and the older that he gets and the further out the movie gets you see, you see in him how he's realizing that I'm not putting it on hold. I'm abandoning it, yes. um, and it hurts to watch. Specifically because you realize, like, he's torn. He's not. He's not torn. Um, he's a better, maybe, maybe a better man than I. Like where I, where he is. It's not even a question in his mind, right? Oh, his brother has this incredible thing going for him. I would never even consider asking him to help me with this. Like I, I will take this on so that he can live this experience that, that he's found himself in. Like the things that he's true. But on on the other hand, I also want to yell at him and shake him at times. Like, no, you've paid your price. Slap your brother upside the head and say, Hey, it's your turn. Like, well, and I want to slap the brother upside the head too. Like, Hey, how oblivious can you be? mm -hmm. Like to realize the gifts that have been given to you overtly and, more well, covertly by your brother and your father and your mother like fuck man like if you're like like you went to war like service is your thing do you not realize there's a chance for you to serve at home too mm -hmm. well no, uh, that's what i'm saying though it's like uh, watching the movie without the context that you gave me i was more frustrated about that right i was like no like he deserves a break like it's actually like it's a little bit uh, in my like watching the like halfway through the movie, like I'm watching, I'm like, Oh no, they, this is a little bit on you. Like it's tough, but you need to, you need to do what you have to do for you because like, it's, it's really everybody else. Everything will, will carry on. Uh, but if you put into context, the idea of if you took the, basically it, it, if you pair it up with the idea of him being sent to war, for example, right. If you took the choice out of it, that's almost, that's how it's performed. And that's an example of what you're saying of maybe he's drawing very heavily from real experience and maybe it is a little too real on screen. Is that like in our minds in 2020 watching it, you're thinking he has a choice, 
right? But it's performed as if he doesn't have a choice. Well, it's also funny that he is playing a role that is so diametrically opposite to who he was in real life. Not Mm. in the sense of service versus not service, but the fact that he can't go to war and makes it his own personal war. Whereas then he, in real life, actually had to go to war and did all the things that his brother did. He was the war hero, you know what I mean? Like in real life. Oh man, that's, I think the movie's got more layers than I realized at first. Oh yeah, no, this is, and that's, that's part of what brings the grade up for me. Because honestly, like I wouldn't say that I derive a ton of enjoyment from the watching the movie, but it does help to properly contextualize things like life and service and family and self-sacrifice and appreciating what you have and not putting an emphasis on what you can't have and all those things. Like there are legitimate life lessons in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Like, and that's, I was a little bit torn on that. Like I, th- I feel like the, uh, the, a main, a main point that they're trying to get across is the whole, you know, appreciate, like, like take a minute and be positive for a second. Think about the good versus the bad. Right. Cause like we're all, we're all pretty good at, at, at um, wallowing in self pity and thinking about only bad things. Uh, if you take a minute, you have a lot of good things that are going for you. Like that idea is great. Um, and you should, I feel like it's, they, they're, they're showing you that, but I had a hard time with it a little bit and I almost knocked a point off. And I, at the end of the day, I didn't just because I was trying to think of something like along the lines of like the times and the fact that they even got that far, like the idea of a lot of this, he put on himself because he made it his responsibility Versus it being that it actually was like there are there are going to be scenarios right where like you're the only person that can do this like if you don't like a lot of bad will come from it or um, or it could be a lot better like you could you could uh, lose out to provide a lot of positivity in one direction but in this case it seems like he was constantly pulling himself down right and that's what was frustrating was he was he was abandoning everything he was so excited he had a passion. Right. There were people. And I think what's funny about it, there was that one other um, the other actress who I don't remember what her name was. Actually, did they say her name? Violet. Yeah. Where this is the character that is lost, doesn't know what they want to do, it seems like. And he's the opposite. He knows exactly what he wants to do, but can't do it. She doesn't know what she wants. But if she did, she could do it. Yeah. And like I think that's something super powerful. And she yeah, doesn't get a he, ton of screen sure. time. Yeah, he cuz in the end right he gives her the ability to go do because he can't and she can and so that's he right. makes that happen for her. And that is uh Violet portrayed by Gloria Graham Graham. How would you pronounce that? G R A H A M E. I I mean I've seen it Graham or Graham. Graham, Graham. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that was Violet. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting thing too. Like I love, I think, it, you know, it's, I, I think they also, uh, they did a great job with the young age version of the character versus the adult version, right? Like the, all the three of those kids in that shop early on and like how they perfectly resemble the three of them older. I think they did a term like those, those kid actors. We're killing it, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Especially, I guess, probably um, 
Harry, oh, not Harry, oh, geez, uh, Mary and, uh, and, and himself, you know, the scene where he's with, with Mr. Gower, where, you know, he's, he's telling him about his son and, and he's slapping them and everything like oh that. Oh my God. What a the poison. Scene. Like that's a rare instance where child actors actually living up to the material. Mm-hmm. That's and I just thought that whole thing was strong, and it's like, like I like you know a lot of times you see like a kid like who gets super emotional on like screen, like crying or whatever. It's like it feels cheesy or fake. Like that kid, I bought that kid just got slapped in his bad ear. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I also uh, one of the things that right then and there, right? It's you get a hint of it because he jumped in to save his brother, but you get a hint of it, another hint of it that's like more obvious in that scene of. He understands what responsibility is, and he he takes it like like he he takes up the mantle like right away. Like he needs to do it, right? He needs to like this is. It could be easy for me to to even he could have even gone to the person and been like, "Look, uh, said something. Maybe he dropped the pills. He could have made up a story, right? But no, he did the very adult and mature thing of he confronted the pharmacist, knowing full well that it was not going to go well for him when he went in there." Like you could see how timid he was being doing it, uh, but well, it's, he it's took on that response. Put on a kid's shoulder, right? Because he knows mm-hmm. if I take this to someone else, or even if I take it to the customer, and be like, "Hey, I think we gave you the wrong thing." Like she's gonna call up Mister Gower and be like, "Hey, you fucked up. Give me a refund. Give me whatever." And yeah. he's gonna freak out. You know and what is he gonna say? Oh, I dropped the bills, and then he's gonna get slapped too, and like sure. not accomplish the thing of letting him know and breaking through. His pain and anguish it's a, to get it's a, him. Set uh, the world it's a big recovery. scene. Yeah, for like, sure. That's too much to put on a kid that age's shoulders. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> well, it's a great that it's a amazing scene. Uh, but going back just before that, when they're in the when they're actually inside the shop, and Mary's sitting on the counter, and George bends over to scoop the ice cream. Also, that whole the whole thing about putting coconut on the ice cream. And the explanation of where it's from, like that whole, like his excitement, his thirst for adventure and travel, like from that young age and really like in his mind, that's what he's going to do. And then not to be able to, it's it, that adds to how heartbreaking it is, is like, this is not a thing that he established recently. This is something that he longed for from the time that he was like a young kid. Could learn how to read. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. But th- that scene where he, he bends down to scoop the ice cream and she she whispers into his bad ear, George Bailey, I'll love you forever, or I'm going to love you forever. Whatever the line is, I was just like, oh, this is so good. What a way to set up this relationship now uh, for the audience. And she never wavers from her love for George. Which also sets up like a great line when he's wandering back and forth. She goes, what do you want a picket line? (laughs) 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 I don't think I appreciated that when I was younger. It cracks me up now. And then also follow like she does get actually two great lines like right back to back there because then yeah who's that down there it's George Bailey what does he want he's making violent passionate love to me (laughs) 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 and then like not five minutes later he is basically making violent passionate love to her well yeah he's making 1946 on screen love to her yeah for sure um the that scene is intense right like that's that's not again you got to take it into the into the context of the year that's like on-screen intense of the, mo- the mother upstairs being oh dear as, 
<laughs> as they're talking into the phone together and looking into each other's eyes and breathing heavily. Like breathing heavily is is like I mean, this movie could have been rated R. <laughs> breathing heavily, <laughs> grasping each other, like nuzzling. Mm. I guess because they're not actually making out at first. They're kind of it's like they don't know how mm. exactly the way that scene starts. And I'm like, what's going on here exactly? Yeah. <laughs> I do love in that scene her like her the way that she starts off like trying to make George jealous when she's on the phone. But it's not working because he's in his he's just too much in his head and it, he eventually gets there. But well, also like he leaves for a moment. Yeah. He but, literally uh, physically leaves the premises. I I do like that. Like there, she's. I I feel like Mary is such a strong character in that. Like, and she's admittedly a, very limited screen time and total lines. She really doesn't have a ton of lines. She that's make that's she, true. Like, makes the most of them. But she's established like early on, and like this is this is what like in the similar way to this. George was like, this is what I want to do. Like Mary is infatuated with George from the get go, but like. Not in like uh, obsessed with him way, but like a, it seems like a like a pure love kind of way. Like she loves George, and she never wavers from that throughout the movie. Like that's why I say she's a strong character. And even when he's in his darkest, she's so supportive of a character throughout the entire relationship and movie. Like she doesn't waver. Well, you especially see it right at the end when he like throws the mother of all temper tantrums, which like. Mm-hmm. What's going on for him is truly catastrophic, right? Uh, although sure. to me, like I've gotten to the point in my life now where I'm like, man, he's like, I don't know, let's take a guess. 35 years old. He's got, was it three or four kids? Four kids, right? He's got a wife and four kids. He's barely holding together his mortgage and his job and all that. And your fuck up of an uncle lost all that money. No, you roll over and your uncle takes the fall. And you know what? Like, what does he have in his life? No, you're... You don't take the fall. Yeah. I, like, I understand, like, your whole thing has been, like, service, and I'm going to take the bullet and this and that. But, like, no, you cannot leave your wife and four children in the lurch. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, the whole fucking town, which, by the way, like, that probably would have fallen apart, too, if they couldn't have got the money together. Whatever. But, like, <laughs> your wife and children yeah. need you much more than your uncle does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I said, like, I know, like, you had mentioned she, she doesn't have a lot of screen time. And... Um, when I say like she's a strong character, it's like I think that she, her family, uh, was what was important to her, right? And she seemed like she also seemed to have like her art passion, which they only touch on a little bit. But I do feel like that creativity was coming out in like how they built up this broken down house, and especially in the honeymoon scene, which is just an incredible scene. Right. Like her thought of getting the posters and lining them up and pretending that they're there, that they're in they're on the trips. Right. Like that. Like she has this incredible creative side yeah. and and her love. Like, I feel like it, like it's that like those are the two things that I feel like she defined. Like, I mean, granted, it's on paper. That's what defines her. But like she's the character seems to define herself by her passions in art and for her family. And yeah. I, and. I was say it was to like your point the whole strength thing when he throws that temper tantrum and leaves and you know she doesn't scream and yell at him she's not like you know good riddance there's not any of that sort of thing it's immediately concern and the kids are like oh well, what do we do and she says 
you know, pray very hard. Your, your father needs us right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like again, like to your point about her not wavering, it could have been, you know, that son of a bitch, you know, what is he doing? Bringing that attitude to the house. It's no, this is bad. And he, yeah, he's in a, he's in a dark spot. Be his rock right now. It's like, so it's, it's like an, it's super it's weirdly emotionally intelligent right where at the same time it's like if you were on the outside if you weren't watching this as a movie and you were a friend of hers you'd be concerned right if she was if she had told you any of this you'd be yeah. thinking like are you okay like are you, should you still be in this house because it it does if you were to just if she would have just relay the story it would be it would sound almost violent right yeah and but that's not what the picture that is actually painted. And like she, I don't think that character, I don't think Mary's character is ever in harm in those scenes. Whereas again, if like you were to just be like word of mouth, explain the situation, it would have sounded bad. I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's curious, but uh, she's, uh, but it, it is also interesting. It's like, man, like she, she's like a, she's a saint in the movie. She doesn't, she never once has, a complaint it seems maybe, maybe I, I, there might be one time like early on where she's uh frustrated with him not fully grasping the concept that she wants to be with him and obviously he likes her too <laughs> like, like there's there there's that but i feel like otherwise she's never really i don't know she's 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 saint-like in the movie yeah um and uh oh my god i just i was just so this was a silly thing kim and i kept kept doing we were watching we we're watching the movie they have those kids right there's the adorable girl playing the piano right there's the older Why are we gonna son have all these kids <laughs> yeah oh god what is that was a heavy one uh, the, the, like which by the way all four of those kids heard him scream that like yeah 100 percent. but uh there's the there's the little girl playing the piano adorable there's the older son who seems mature and almost like a, a George Jr. And maybe that that might have even been his name. I'm not sure. But he seems like he's going to be on the same track as his dad. There's, uh, what's her name? Susie? Lizzie? The the sick girl who is 100% their favorite child. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's Zuzu. And Zuzu's pedals would be a tremendous indie rock band. <laughs> yes! Oh, you, okay. That well, first off, that's our band's name. <laughs> Gotta trademark that shit. <laughs> we'll make one song. Actually, no, we'll release publicly uh as its own single our version of the Avengers theme under Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> oh man, I like that. Uh and then there's the the young boy. And this is the part that we were joking about. We're like, this is a terrible joke. We, we acknowledge to each other that the jokes that we're making are about to be terrible. But we're like, we can't stand the young boy. <laughs> he's just, for whatever reason, he's super irritating. Wait, Timothy Chalamet was in this? <laughs> no, not the boy. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but their, their youngest boy child, who was just at an age of annoying things where it was like, where <laughs> they were like, Oh, like when he's coming around, he's like, never stop playing the piano. And then like the, the girl's feeling okay upstairs and the son, he's like, I'm sorry. And then they look at the little boy and they were like, ugh. That's, <laughs> they Wait, don't Tim really Chalamet, say. Is Tim, Timothy Chalamet the Meg of this movie? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> what is he? He's just roaring like a tiger at him? I don't remember what he was doing, but I was irritated. 
and I didn't just lose a billion dollars in the forty-six time. Tigers for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that. That was just a silly thing. Like it was not like that. Obviously not serious, but it's like you know sometimes kids are at an age that <laughs> that's not appealing, and that's where he was. No, he's gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta know. He's always crying. Um, can we talk about for a second the villain of this movie, Mister Potter? First Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say first Scrooge McDuck, but... Yeah. I think he's old Voldemort. And I think yeah. his I think his wheelchair is a Horcrux. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe his, maybe his butler guy that pushes him around. By the way, the levels of egocentrism mm. when he tries to woo George and, uh. and George comes and sits down in that tiny fucking chair. Yeah. And... Like, I don't know how tall he was in real life, but in movie dumb, like, Jimmy Stewart is very tall. Mm-hmm. And when he's in that chair, he is significantly shorter than Mr. Potter. Well, was. hang on. Props, though, to him and set design and the director and the cinematographer because he was slunk in the seat to make that happen. Oh, it's 100% intentional, but. And no, but like, they, they pulled it off so chair. well and it was so meaningful. Yeah, he got no, smaller as the scene went on. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's, like, it's, the, it's the joke from Scary Movie 3 where, where the, the sheriff comes and every time they cut away from her and they cut back, her, her hat is just slightly bigger than it was before. <laughs> until by the end, the hat is this big and it can't fit inside the car window. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Oh man, no, that's yeah, that's a, that's a scene. That's that's a hard one to watch, right? You see him. There's that glimpse for a second of like giving in, and then re- like, but he composes himself, and like, there's the things that he stands for. And he's like, I'm not gonna. Do-. He's like, no, I'll give you my answer now. <laughs> like he's he does this whole thing you know, for a second there when he takes the cigar and he's hanging. Well, because he does two. Actually, sorry, I, I messed up because there's two separate scenes, right? There's the scene where he goes and he's sitting on the chair, and then there's the scene where he's invited in and wooed. With the cigar and he's smoking the cigar. Oh, mm-hmm. please let me light the cigar for you. you. Oh, I'll send a box to your house for Christmas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like he falls for. Uh, you know what it reminded me of was a little bit is is Luke in in um, the Last Jedi, where mm-hmm. where he goes, "Oh my God, you went right to the dark side. You didn't even put up a fight." Yeah. <laughs> for for just a second, that's what he's doing. It's oh, you're really smart and great, and I really admire you. And here, a cigar. Let me send something for the fit. How is your family, by the way? You know? Yeah. No! Dude. No! I, I, I re- this resonates really well with me. The first, the first job offer that I got after my first full-time gig was that doubled my salary. Oh. And I turned it down in the end. And the, <laughs> it was because I was sitting there, I was getting all this, all the, like all the, I was getting all sweet talked. Right into like all the stuff, these things that were happening, all like the the options, the salary, everything sounded amazing, and something wasn't quite right with like it wasn't sitting quite right with me when I walked into the place the first time, and I got that I was like, oh, thanks, you know, I was like, I really appreciate, it. I'll look, I'll I'll think it over. I uh, I was in a I was in a tough spot at my first job where I was like, I need something, so I I just ended up using it as leverage to get a raise and a promotion where I was at um, for a while. Uh, before I left 
probably like four months later. But anyway, the the, the point being, uh, I, I was like, something's not right. Like, I just like, I just didn't feel it. Like, it wasn't right. But I was like starting to like, un- like things were starting to like unfold in my mind of what was going on. I was like, and when I walked out, the thing that really hit me was like, there's no windows in this office. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, and then I, and then a friend of mine went there and it turned out to be just a complete shit show. And I was like, Ooh, dodged that bullet. But anyway, I felt like George getting sweet talked by Mr. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mr. Potter is Lord Voldemort. Um, can we well, talk about one thing here? The well, uncle. Like the, the last thing on Potter is. Yeah. Um, there's a line in that. I forget exactly when it happens. I think it might have been in the board meeting when he votes to dissolve the savings alone. But I'm not 100% sure. Where he calls him a warped, frustrated old man. Yeah. My brother has been calling my dad that for years. And we watched the movie together a couple weeks ago before we were going to do this. <laughs> and my brother's like, wait, that's what this is from? And I was like, you've been saying that for how long? And you didn't realize this is what it was from? Like... I just assumed it all this time. Like we've watched the movie a million times. Like you had to realize you were repeating it from this movie. That's amazing. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's awesome. Uh, One of the scenes, I it was really funny. So uh, let's break it down, right? They savings and loan. uh, They're gonna get uh, something's something's going awry. All of the customers are coming in. They're pulling out their money. Right, George is going to keep them satisfied with their honeymoon dollars, uh, and by the end of that scene, they have a c- couple of bucks left, and they close the doors, and they did it. They did it. And Kim was like, "I don't understand what they did." <laughs> like, she's like, "She's like, I don't get why it's still okay." And I was trying to explain it, and I was like, "I don't even really know." Like, I kind of get it, but don't fully how it works on paper, (laughs) but like how it's okay what they just did or like how it keeps them open and how making it until five that day will work for the tomorrow. Yeah. It's obvious how it keeps them open. It's not okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, At least for their own personal sake because they're but not ha- getting that money back like they'll be lucky to get pennies on the dollar sure sure but now how does it keep them open oh i guess because all of the money that they already have in the biz is still in right because they have that came out of their pocket those payouts so it's complicated so this is in a time welcome to, to economics to... and a six What's that? <laughs> welcome to economics and the six <laughs> Well, financials in a six. Financials in a six. Yeah, right. So this was in a time prior to. Well, that was before the war, right? That was before the brother came back. I think it was while he was away, isn't it? The brother came back before he gets with Mary. Sorry. Um, I don't remember a hundred percent if FDIC and NCUA had been ratified. I know they were part of the new, not the New Deal. The um, or was was that the was the New Deal? That FDR did no. That was the New Deal. Was what uh, LBJ did. What the hell was the the FDR do, did? The the whole like series of like stuff. The 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 laws. The 
the programs that they created to help get us out of the depression in World War II and, and well, prior to World War II and then during World, II, World, World mm-hmm. War II. So during the Great Depression, there were runs on the banks because there was this is so woefully inadequate to teach anyone about any of this stuff. So right, like we had the Roaring Twenties, everyone was super prosperous. The stock market was great. People were borrowing and trading on incredible margins because money and liquidity was so available, as was value. There was growth opportunity. But what happens is when you allow such big margin, the slightest thing that happens that throws it off requires margin call where like you uh, like have collateral up for all these this money that's being lent to you whether it be for like building or for personal loan or for trading stock right and if the institution needs the money and they put out a margin call you have to give up x amount to make good on that loan a portion of the loan at least to them if you can't you default right mm-hmm. if everyone is an excessive margin and they do margin calls and you like they none of them can offer back the money that that is owed to the institution the institution goes into crisis and stocks start dropping rates start going nuts on lending all that and then everyone starts to panic this is mm-hmm. in the day prior to FDIC and NCUA which protected the government became the the backing to all of these banks as confidence so that you wouldn't like do a run on these things right cuz like when if the bank says, oh, my God, we need money, like things aren't going great in the stock market all of a sudden, uh, you owe, like we lent you $50,000 and you lent me $100,000, whatever, and we're doing a margin call of 20% of whatever it was loaned, right? If you can't make that payment and I can't make that payment and everyone can't make the payment, the, the bank no longer has the cash on hand to do what they need to do, which is why you have the margin call to begin with. And so mm-hmm. because they don't and the bank isn't, panic the people who are invested in that bank panic as well and you are worried that the money is not going to be available if you need it tomorrow so you run to the bank and you take your money out of it so now forget about just the margin call because the bank was short on the money they don't even have the cash reserves that they were holding at the moment so they're now even further in the hole hole. right and so now the actual supply of money available in the market is low because everyone is holding physically holding their cash reserves. Mm -hmm. So there is no flow of money anymore and rates continue to skyrocket. Prices go haywire. The value of money is totally volatile. Um, Prior to FDIC, banks would just cease to exist and the value that was supposed to exist with it, you had a promise from the bank that the $500 you deposited with them would come back to you, right? whenever mm-hmm. you wanted it. Well, the bank doesn't exist anymore. So that $500 is gone. Right. And so that's what's happening in this time. There's a run on the bank. So, okay. So, so the, the, that explains that people are concerned because they're thinking the savings loan is going to go poof. Yes. And so thus if, their money, the, the whole point is, yeah, because then once it gets into bankruptcy and litigation, if there was some blood to get from that stone, that goes to actual creditors before it goes to investors. That's, mm-hmm the hierarchy that lending works with bankruptcy rules in this country and most countries, I'm assuming. So you and I would get our money behind other institutions that lend money or invest in money because they pay it out based on those hierarchies and the amounts that are on like credit with them. Right. So the whole point is 
well, fuck, I'm gonna, not going to wait for them to go bankrupt. It's first come, first serve. I'm going to shove you out of the way because I'm going to get my $50 before you get your $50. Mm-hmm. So because the savings and loan operated on such a razor thin um, profit margin because the people who were investing in it were poor mm-hmm. and they were building affordable decent houses but they, they were still fairly cheap and the margin on the house was so cheap the rates of the loan for the mortgage that they were giving out was so razor thin so they were barely turning a profit but just because so many people trusted them they had enough business to keep going right but if right. you invested $50 and I invested $100 and that person invested like Mr. Potter's bank the numbers were higher but the people like the total quantity of people were lower right mm-hmm. But he had such personal cash reserves that he could be the bank for the bank. Right. Up to a point, right? And so, but he also owned a stake in the savings and loans. And this is the part of it that I get confused by because he didn't own a majority of shares in the savings and loans. So I don't get why he gets to make the call when they say, oh, if you close your... Because the whole point is, like he says, if you close your doors, you'll never open again. Because he's going to vote to dissolve the tr- the savings and loan again at that point. Mm-hmm. But unless he thought that he had enough people in his pockets to go with his way to get more than 51% of the vote to do it, in which case he would end it, it would be dissolved. His controlling stake would absorb into his own well, holdings and the bank itself. I, I do think that it was more so like almost as like an outside, right? Like he was like on the outside of it where... Um, no, I see, think it doesn't the, work that way. He can't be on the outside of it. No, 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 no his, sorry. His threat only works because he's on the inside. No, 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 listen. So he's, I'm saying like, he's on the, like, on the, when I say on the outside, like he's playing with the assumption that all of these people are pulling their money out and that they have no well, he way of, they are. he sees them running across, but the he has, they have no way of giving them their money without dipping into their cash. And that, yeah, and well, that's, so that's, 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 that's the thing is they kept such small cash reserves at the saving and loan because the, all of their money, with them, as money came in, was being invested in building the house that other people would pay the mortgage for. So because they had no cash reserves to hand out, mm-hmm. he offers up his cash reserves to be the bank. The same way so, that Potter is for the bank that he actually runs. Right. So the thing is, though, like by by he was bringing it to the attention of, I guess, the, I guess the creditors, the right word, so that they would swoop in and like shut this shit down. Even if it's a strike against him, knowing that it would work, knowing that they would they wouldn't be able to to pay for the call on their loan, and that's what I'm getting at. Like where he's he's using like he's taking it he's taking a hit just just to get it closed and get it out of the way. But well, he's sacrificing a pawn so that he can gain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pain. You know what I mean. That that's why I think it makes sense, and like that he's um with the again with under the assumption like from the outside thinking that all of these people are going to do this thing. And there's, there's clearly logically, there's no way that this wouldn't work. Right. There's no, but they are he doing can't, the thing, though. he can't account for the fact that he can't, he can't even fathom or account for the fact that George would have us a, a, a stack of cash to pay these people out of pocket, not dipping into company funds. Yes. But I mean, obvi- it's obvious at a certain point that that's what's going on. He mm-hmm. just assumes that he's not going to have the fortitude to do it or that he's going to be able to convince these people, you know, he convinced this person to take half or this person to take 10% of it or whatever, right? And right. leave a certain amount of it. 
you know, there's that one guy who keeps asking for the was it two hundred forty two dollars? Yeah. Oh, was it the the woman next asks for twenty seven dollars or something like that? And he gives and he her a kiss. Her. That's so good. Yeah. Such a great scene. <laughs> oh man, how much but money the, was it that he had? He had a couple thousand dollars. Right, and I thought about that after the fact. I was like, wait a minute, they were sh- like. Sh- Flush with cash going on this trip, right? <laughs> well, it was obvious that they were saving, and also I think that they had contributions from other people too. Yeah, that was like oh, all the oh, wedding money potentially, right? Because it seemed like they had handled the house and everything previously. Yeah, and also like they got a lot of gifts, like you know, like because like he gets the the gift of the of the, the suitcase like earlier and all that. Like like people would always like give them like stuff because of like how good people they were, right? And. Mm-hmm. Like, Kind of a like a long term barter system, it seems like, right? Because the the service here, I'm going to extend you a line that I wouldn't simply like extend there, like all that sort of stuff. Um, and just them being good, decent, honest people who are always going to help you just, out. Let's whatever. let's just pause for a moment to give a big nod to Mr. Martini, who is maybe the most underrated character in film history. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at the end of it all, right? Like he's going to be able to recoup when they put their money back on deposit. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to recoup some of that money, but only some of it. It's not going to be one to one. It probably won't be 80 cents on the dollar. Sure. They lost money on all of that. And obviously, time value money, they're not going to interest on it on top of that. Like, you know, like they're losing out on both physical dollars and the propensity to like earn more money on it on top of that if they if they had invested it at whatever rate, you know. And and mm-hmm. to be honest, like who knows how long that that bank run lasted? Like they might have been out of that cash for months before they got it back. Right, right. It's such a. It was such a heart that like in the movie of heartwarming things that happen. The whole that whole thing where they open up like the whatever the village is called that they create, and when they move in, how like how amazing and uplifting is that scene <laughs> when they're moving into the houses? I just love it so much. Yeah, <laughs> they're giving them like the bread and the salt and everything like that. I just it's a great scene. Oh man, um. I really, I really enjoyed it uh, on this rewatch. I, mean, I know I enjoyed it in the past, but I, I don't think I had ever watched it with like a critical eye, and I, I, I loved it. Um, I, I'm, an, I'm frustrated at the end. Correct me if I'm wrong. At the end, Potter gets that like eight grand, right? Yeah, you know they don't show what happens. Eventually, he's gonna have to turn that money back to them, like because. It's gonna create such a discrepancy, like because he's not the type of person to be charitable with it, right? Mm-hmm. And, but he's smart enough to know, much as he may want to, that he can't take the money because that's gonna be a huge discrepancy on his books and right. his tax returns. And oof, back then, tax rates were wildly different for rich people. Like mm-hmm. there was like well over a fifty percent tax on like people who were like legitimately wealthy. Mm-hmm. It was ins- it's insane. Um, so the money actually causes him more harm than good because he's going to then have to explain where it comes from, uh, which right. would then become a criminal act. So his play was always just, if I hang on to it for a day or a week, they will fold. And then I can play Good Samaritan and be like, oh, I found this cash and I'm going to use it to like invest. Now that the savings and loan has been you know, closed, I'm going to buy it. We're going to take the seed money that we found and we're going to, you know, and we're going to be great. We're going to build these lovely tenements for everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, uh, but <laughs> like, he can't really take them. I mean, honestly, because he's such a warped, frustrated old man, like 
he might have burned the money, to be perfectly honest. Like, because sure. you can't take it. Like, there's no way to account for it. Right. Interesting. Uh, but realistically, because the building and loan survives, because everyone actually, I guess, technically, like, on, like answers the, the they answers the, like an unofficial margin call, right? They all give mm. up the cash out of their own pockets to him to make up the shortfall. So. Like, honestly, he, he might burn the money at that point because he's not going to yeah. give it back to him either. <laughs> right. Oh, he is a warped, frustrated old man. Um, okay. Couple things. First, we, well, we haven't talked about Clarence at all, who was just tremendous. The, the angel. The, who ends up, how about this? You know what? I was going to go in a different direction, but I'm, I'm going to circle back to this real quick. Clarence jumps off the bridge. Help! So, so that Help! George... We'll jump off the bridge and save him. The bridge that George was going to jump off of to kill himself. Yeah, I've always been a little confused by that myself. Okay. So was was the act of suicide more of after he jumps, he's just going to let the water do what it does? Like, I don't really understand what the goal yeah, that doesn't was. doesn't usually work that way. Usually you got to, like, tie a weight to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was funny. The help help. That was great. I love the idea that in no at no point does Clarence try to hide that he's an angel. On the contrary, loud and proud. He's yeah, he's tr- he's being very clear about it and George is like, "Okay, guy." Like <laughs> which is just a great it's a great dynamic between the two of them. Um the whole angel getting its wings thing and the the bell at the end really great. Uh if we want to talk about least favorite moments for a second, the shitty bartender pulling the the bar on the cash register, going ding ding, being like, "Hey, look, everybody! I'm giving angels their wings." Like that really bothered me. <laughs> but also, like the old school, no one actually talks like this. Talks like this, like you know, you. I swear to God, you, you know, say that one more time, and I'm gonna bust you. Like, like, yeah, that, like the fake like New York tough guy accent. Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. That was weird. Uh, I do. It, it's it's cool to do the whole like um, Christmas carol-y thing of like seeing a thing that could have been or is or was. Uh, in it's, a, it's it's the opposite, right? It's like alternate timeline versus future and past. Yeah, uh, which I think was cool. I liked that. Um, it takes George maybe a little too long to get on board. With what's happening? Yeah, how, many, how many examples of these people that you've known for literally your entire life not recognizing you, you do you need to go through before you realize that like something is going on? Even yeah. if you don't buy in, like something is going on. Like when he walks through it and sees Pottersville, like this is an incredible prank. Like there's no way that it would have taken that anybody would have went through this effort. Obviously, we're right? Like like ten or Kansas twenty anymore. people pulling a prank on you and acting like they don't know right. you is much more believable than. The whole time. Wow, that entire development that I built is entirely different. Not just the sign was changed. Those nice houses are shitty little tenements. Right. Uh, So, you know, it all comes around. He finally understands what's going on. He's super happy. Runs home. He's happy to see Mary. He's happy to see the auditors. It's great. Well, hang on a second. It's a great scene. Yeah. No, no, because this is my favorite scene in the movie. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons. One, they do a parallel two, even three times the with, you know, seeing it in normal circumstances, seeing it in his depressed alternate timeline, and then seeing it after the cocaine snort, right? 
And seeing that parallel like layered together of this is what it looks like when it's terrible. This is what it looks good. And he's just saying hello to everything. Hey, street sign, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know. Hey, whatever, you know. Hey. You know, yes. Hey, shitty post, whatever it was, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Just scream. Honestly, like, it, it, like, I, it's it's phenomenal. Like the, yeah. like the 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 if you want to take the surface level of just the pure joy and elation, and if you want to go deeper into how it's paralleled and layered over top of the other times we've seen this exact thing, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, mm-hmm. all of that together is actually pretty great. Like yeah. script writing, and it's like it, it it leads right into like if that's not heartwarming enough it leads right into the entire town of friends that he's built over time just dumping money onto the table to pay for the issue like that was that's an incredible scene including uh, including the the bank examiner the bank examiner great and also the guy i don't know who, which character says it but like something that's like ah george bailey the wealthiest man in town like because of all those friends like it was more like that was a callback right to like uh like like being whole, not money, not having anything to do with it. While this was a little bit of both, which was a cool thing. Uh, and then it dawned on me that the cop and the taxi driver's names, Bert and Ernie. Oh yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so then I started searching around and realized, I mean, obviously I'm not the only one to make that connection. Uh, people have been asking this question for a very long time. And uh, the official statement, if I be- understand this correctly, is uh, purely coincidence <laughs> that Bert and Ernie were just what those Muppets looked like. No. no. I don't believe it at all. Don't buy it for a second. I think it's more about fear of copyright infringement. <laughs> I'm sorry. This Muppet looks like a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And an Ernie. I just no, just come out and say it. It's okay. That's I, I. I actually think that that's just rude towards Bert's and Ernie's alike. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's a wonderful life. It's truly wonderful. I was, I was a big fan. It's a wonderful movie. It is a wonderful movie. <laughs> uh, do you have do you, anything else? Any other closing thoughts? No, I think we covered it pretty well. I think we did a better dive into this movie than we have on any movie in a while. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinasix at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Yana. Thanks for coming out. Manda Watch. We're back with Manda Watch after a week off. So we've got two episodes to cover. Count them. Two. 
and only one left, which we will obviously be covering oh. about about a week after it's done. <laughs> Heartbreaking. I'm not ready for this to be over. I'm very much enjoying this. I just I I love it. I, uh, I if if the holiday season wasn't something I already enjoyed, now it's just it's just been amplified. Having the Mandalorian at the holidays is kind of cool. It's clutch, for sure. Uh, here's the one problem. I don't remember. <laughs> specifically what happened in the episode before last. Can you give me a quick recap? <laughs> the tragedy. Oh, God, that was really good. <laughs> that was a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Oh, man. Uh, it had, it was incredible. Um, and it was, it did a, it did something that I thought, like, I almost, I hope was, like, intentionally comical, right? Which was, we got the like the true return of Boba Fett in the tragedy, yeah. right? However, true return of Boba Fett was like half of his outfit slightly overweight and with a skirt. And I think it was like this <laughs> just, like the the combination of this man with the helmet, uh the chest piece that looks like it was from a child's Halloween costume and the bottom half of what he was already wearing, like the robes that he was already wearing, like combined made for this amazing caricature of like, listen, you all pretended you loved this character, but he was never really a character. (laughs) And and now he is. (laughs) Well, that's right. I guess it's both excellent writing and also the ultimate fan service. Like, hey, you remember how you guys love this guy because he's badass? Well, he's not. But you yeah, know what? we're gonna give it to you. We're gonna finally yeah. make him be what you guys have him in your mind. As. <laughs> we're gonna give it to you, but it was our choice. <laughs> That's <laughs> like if I had to guess an episode that was directed by Taika Waititi, I would have guessed it was that one because of that specifically. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who actually did direct it. That's why I'm a little bit thrown. I'm not. What we, uh, I'll look it up in the meantime. Rick, Rick Fatmiawa did this most recent one. He's done a couple of episodes already. Mm-hmm. I forget who did. Oh, that was Robert Rodriguez. Oh, that's right. Which really surprised me to see that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a fun episode, though. Like, it was super intense. Uh, great production value. Like. That was great production value in this is just a rock in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, they maybe they maybe phoned it in just a little bit on the kick of the boulder. But otherwise, I think it looked really great. Um, Grogu on the seeing whatever. Stone. The what? The, the seeing stone. <laughs> they said the thinking stone. Um, let's see, that that was pretty cool. I do think we had mentioned earlier, like, oh, it seems like maybe Ahsoka won't return. Um, it would be cool if they get themselves into a real tight bind by the end of the next episode and um, Ahsoka and Ezra return. Like, that could be a cool way, like, to, to, to bail them out of whatever situation they're in to get Grogu. Like, that could be an interesting thing. My that- guess is going to be that they're going to have to get themselves out of the situation themselves. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get a very final scene or post credit scene of Ezra like acknowledging their existence. I hope so. That'll be really cool, especially now that I'm like I, I got I turned uh, Rebels back on and I'm like burning through episodes. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. I would really hope that that's the case. Um, it's 
I don't know. It's exciting. Like I'm super excited to see how they're going to wrap it up, but also so upset that that's it for until next year. <laughs> Christmas well, of next I'm, year. The reason I'm caught up on the whole Ezra thing is I just don't know who else it would be. Mm-hmm. Unless they're just going to give us a truly new character. But like, right. it would seem that this is leaving open someone who exists. Whether it be someone we know is out there or not, maybe, I guess, possibly it could be someone that we never saw the result of whether they lived or died. I think if if I were to wager a bet, my guess would be more so that they do manage to escape and, um, oh wow, his name just escaped, uh, Gideon, Moff Gideon, is that his name? Yeah. I think that he might have to face a hollow version of Thrawn. I think that that might be an ending be like fitting of the Mandalorian like reveals. Well, no, I mean, I still think Thrawn is on the table, but mm-hmm. my point is just Grogu connected with the seeing stone and connected with the force. Mm-hmm. Someone has to heal, hear that call. It seems sure. obvious. It won't be Ahsoka. Sure. Cause if it was, she wouldn't have been so like obviously opposed to it. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't ever soften the way that Yoda does when she, he says he won't, train Luke or the way that Luke acts when he's going to train Ray, right? Mm-hmm. She truly just says no and walks away. Like she softens in like how she's approaching it, but the answer is still no. Definitively. Yeah. Yeah. Like no. I, I won't. I'm not Unless saying like the, <laughs> the, it becomes like the force calls to her and she truly believes like, sure. But like that would feel like a weird way to handle that. Mm-hmm. It feels like the whole point of the Seeing Stone is to bring someone into the fold, whether it be someone new, someone we already know. I feel like Ezra is not going to be on screen in any fashion or mentioned until either like a maybe a maybe the uh, when's the Ahsoka one supposed to take place? Did we get a timeline on that? That's a spinoff. So I assume it's it's current. It seems time. like it's going to be similar mm-hmm. timeline, right? Where I think so. Because if we don't see Thrawn here, uh, what I would guess would be the Seeing Stone connects us to Ezra and her show, especially if it, if it shows up. And I, Do you remember like when it said it was going to release? Is it going to come out before the next season? I, uh, I don't remember when it said it was. Because that would be what would make sense to me is to have her show chasing down Thrawn, have it right. with her locating it, and then bringing the two shows together for the next season after that. Yeah. Kind of Defender style, where it's, okay, Ezra's back on the board, as is Thrawn, and we're going to let it, and, you know, so it's Thrawn and Gideon versus, you know, the Mandalorian cast of characters and Ezra and uh, Ahsoka, right? Like, wouldn't that yeah. make sense? Some sense? Yeah, I think so. When is, um, when is the Obi-Wan show supposed to come about? Do, do we have a date on that or no? When the show is literally going to be airing, you mean? Yeah. Well, I still don't think they've started shooting it, so... Oh, okay. Because then I was curious about, like, is the reach out to Obi-Wan? Like, does he hear the message and then pass it on? But Obi-Wan's dead. Oh, wait. What's the timeline of this? Oh, this is after Return. This is five years after Return. Never mind. Sorry. I was thinking... Yeah. Good good point. Um, There's two... That's... Honestly, that thing... That throws me off so many times of, like, wait, where am I right now? Like, I have to think about (laughs) where in the timeline I'm at. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. So I will pitch one. I was just I was doing a little bit of research here because I couldn't remember. I know in the legends, the character died at some point. 
I thought he had still died in canon, but as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see, as far as I'm finding on Wikipedia, they don't have a time of death for him. I will read the final bit of his entry here as far as his biography. During the final days of the war, Redacted moved his Republic troops to Ba's pity after the fall of the Jedi Order. Redacted was amongst those the Galactic Empire presumed to have survived the Great Jedi Purge. He would be a fit for this story in general. He would also be a contractual fit. Sure. Uh, and that character is Quinlan Boss. Oh, I always thought you were talking about... Um, the, the other thing that I have read was Mace Windu coming back. No, Mace Windu is dead. I'm telling you. The canon, I don't care about the story group. Mace Windu is dead. Okay. Well, anyway, the people seem to disagree with you. And I was thinking because of his ties with uh, Disney for doing a Nick Fury show that I thought maybe he would also be on the set for a potential Star Wars show, just on the business side of things. Sure, but also realistically, he would be quite old. Yeah, for sure. And mangled from lightning to the face. Sure. <laughs> and, miss- and missing an arm. Sure. Um, sure. And, you know, Quinlan as Boss as you do man. when you're in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Quinlan Boss was, much, uh, was a much younger man than Mace Windu, so much more realistic for him to still be kicking around. Hmm. I don't know. Wh- wh- wait, hang on. What if we get some sort of... When was this? Timelines, 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 timelines. No, we don't know where he... We, we, don't know any, we don't know anything about his fate. I was like, what if this is a tie-in to Fallen Order? What if we get <laughs> that character... <Cal> yeah. <laughs> to, like, somehow come in. Uh, we have an actor for him. Like, I... <laughs> and considering they did mocap, he looks exactly like him, so... Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, we'll see. I, I do think it will be something big, something more mainstream... Um, That'll be revealed in the at the at the tail end of this episode of of the final episode, similar to like. I, I mean, to me, the like the, obviously, like since this first came up with Ahsoka, Ezra is the only choice that makes sense. Yeah, um, Quinlan is more just because he's the only person I know technically still might be alive and mm. might have any interest in any way, shape, or form of what's going on. Um, mm. And it's a name that like some characters are going to know, considering he was on Clone Wars. Um, right. As far as that episode goes, it was cool to see Boba in action. The scene with him shooting the rocket was a little bit cheesy, but still badass and cool. Yeah. Seeing his ship in action versus just flying around a little bit here and there in previous things was really great. Uh, I think I'm I, I think I'm thinking of the correct. Oh, no, I might be thinking of the second of. No, never mind. I'm thinking of the next episode. There was a scene that really blew me away that I was excited about. That's in the next episode that follows this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, see, it was cool though, just to see the 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 outfit again and the more polished and vibrant was really fun. Yeah. Um, um, and also, it was interesting the whole thing, like watching the desperation, watching Grogu, like, uh, and then seeing the dark troopers swoop in and grab him. Seeing again, well, what about Mando trying twelve times to get through the field and getting tossed? I know. Like, take take a hint, bud. Yeah, um, learn. But uh, then seeing on the ship at the end when he walks in and he is just torturing those fucking stormtroopers. <laughs> I mean, it does. It is concerning considering the whole thing Ahsoka said about him and his fear and his anger. Mm-hmm. We've already seen him go to the dark side 
before like, to tap into the dark side rather before when he was choking Kara. Mm-hmm. Um, then watching Gideon shit talk this adorable little child. <laughs> it's hysterical. Yeah. Um, watching him brandish the dark saber at him. Like, Oh, I don't think we're quite ready for any of playing with these toys. You know, is pretty great. Yeah. Did you see the thing I sent you guys the other day about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was so great. I'm going to read it just so anyone. Yeah, go ahead. Listening didn't see it. So it was a picture of Moff Gideon kneeling in front of Grogu as Grogu is trying to go for nappy time and he's ignited the dark saber. It's a quote from Giancarlo Esposito talking about the episode. And he says, my four daughters watched this and obviously the world is like, it's the Baby Yoda show. And I'm never jealous or have any problem with that. But I have to say, two of my daughters texted me and two of them called me and said, Papa, please don't hurt that baby. Don't hurt that baby. And I said... I will squash that little big-eared bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so silly. Just the uh, yeah, just the next level of that, bringing that back out to the real world. It's <laughs> just really funny. <laughs> oh man, that's that's so good. But anyway, that ends in a tragedy. But also in a, a what's pretty awesome is the 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 agreement that's made is that that no harm would come to the child. I believe or something like that. Right when and if he gives him his armor back. Well, not only that, but that he promises his and the child's safety. Right. So, which. And so they, that will continue on until they've regained the child because the child disappears and he gets right. his armor back. So. Which I really like. What I love about that is a couple of things. So, first off, is how important the armor is to him. That's one. Two, the fact that he's well within his linguistic rights to be like, we're done here. And, <laughs> but, but, and like, so he's showing. Like there's a certain, there's a human side to it or a, that is while technically correct, not necessarily honorable. And it's like, you don't really know where he is on the spectrum of that. Like, like which, which thing is driving that decision that he's going to help them get like reclaim the child. But I, I think it's really cool that they've joined the band of, of heroes for the show to like, we love we love Grogu. Like they all love Grogu. Uh, Grandpa Weathers loves Grogu. Uh, like they, everybody loves him. <laughs> and and now Boba Fett is going to help them reclaim him. And I think it's just, it's pretty exciting to see like uh, to to wonder like where that'll go in the next in the final episode of the season. Yeah, um, I do wonder. My brother was saying he gets weird about some of this stuff. He gets a bloodlust when you're coming up on finales of shows, seasons and series, he's like, I wonder who's going to die in this episode. I was like, I mean, it's entirely possible. No one dies. Sure. And maybe likely. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mean, like, I don't know if you had to pick someone is most likely grief, I guess, just because Carl Weathers is getting up there a little bit. And like, he doesn't necessarily have a ton to do for the show anymore. Is it? I don't know, could it be... I didn't say this, but I'm like, you know, I mean, like, obviously Fennec Shand would be an obvious one. I wondered if Mayfield was going to stick around, but he doesn't seem to, but he could always pop back up in the next mm-hmm. episode. Kara seems unlikely because it did seem like they're tipping her off to be in this Ranger show. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not going to be Grogu or Din. Could it be Boba Fett? Could Boba redeem himself and then immediately get returned back to death that we all thought he was in? Or... Or could it be? Could it be Din and another Mandalorian takes up the mantle as the title character of the show? 
That would be a twist. I don't see that happening. I'm just saying. That could be no, that would be a twist. For a lot of reasons. And also, technically, Boba Fett is not Mandalorian. That's true. I don't think that uh, anyone's dying. I wouldn't be surprised if someone dies, but it's going to be, like, the least. Like, it's going to be Fennec. Yeah. Just because yeah. I don't know how long, like, Ming-Na Wen's going to stick around or, like, how important that shit character is. She gets, like, two lines an episode. That's true. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think, um... I don't know. I I don't think that it would be any of the other characters, right? Like, I don't think... I don't understand... I, I can't see a situation in which, uh, like, Carl Weathers' character comes back into play based on the timeline and what they're doing, right? Like, I don't see them going back to get him and then bring him into the fold for their plan for, like... Yeah, why not? I just don't see it happening. It doesn't seem like it would... It seems like they're going directly for him in the next... Although they did have a calculated message that they said that way, so maybe they are getting all their friends. So it could be, including potentially Ahsoka. Sure, that's my point. Is yeah, it seemed to me grief. There's going to be a time a, a time jump between this and the final episode. It seems like, however long. Yeah, couple couple a days, couple maybe a yeah. week or so. It would have seemed that grief would have been perfect to show up in this past episode when they look for the information as to where to find Gideon. Mm. It was obviously had a specific story they wanted to tell about Mayfield. Maybe yeah. like whatever it is. Mm. Um, and they, of course, they could have just had grief there too, but eventually there's too many cooks. You know what I mean? Like, like you're, already sidelining, <laughs> you're already <laughs> sidelining Fennec. Like, she's there, but she's not doing much mm-hmm. heavy lifting, right? Like, Kara gets a couple of lines, but not much to do. Boba gives, is given a little bit of an opportunity to shine, um, not as much in character development. This episode is the one before it, but still. This is obviously a big Din and Mayfield episode. So much so that it's incredible. This is the first episode in the entire run of the show in which we do not see Grogu for a single second. Right. Um, Grief could have, should have been there, but I think it's just at a certain point, like he's just going to be standing around in the background most of the time. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. time for him to do anything, but for a bigger, probably longer finale, and because he's already expressed how important the kid is to him personally, you would think he'd want to, join up right right yeah um well now that we're in that episode i that it was so good i was blown away i thought it was so deep and it it kept bouncing back and forth in like where you should stand like the whole idea of they're driving this whatever transport to this shitty imperial base leftover imperial base right and you have Mayf- mayfield and is, that is it mayfield or mayfeld i, I keep mayfeld forgetting. um anyway you have him you have uh you have boston driving and you have uh space the mandalorian boston? yeah you have space boston driving and you have the mandalorian in with him the, their conversations back and forth that character development between the two of them without first off without didn't saying a word uh, for the most part, was actually really strong. And the whole, I'm just saying, we're all the same, great line. I thought that was amazing. The only thing that takes away from it is that he's the only person with a Boston accent in Star Wars. That's the only thing that makes it difficult, <laughs> right? It's the only thing that breaks immersion a little bit. But it doesn't matter because he is, I think he's a great actor. I think he delivers really well. And he, he has reflected very well on Vince Gilligan. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And if only for... Dude, that scene where 
Uh, we're talking Bill Burr if for those. If if you're if you're somehow listening this far and you don't know what we're up to in the episode, we're talking about Bill Burr uh, as Mayfield or Mayfeld. We're not sure. Uh, when he's sitting across the table from that imperial officer with Din sitting on the end of the table, the wh- all of the acting that he does with just his face in response to every word that the imperial officer says, like it's heavy. And it's like it's he does a really great job of like this person that is was like forced to do these things by order and already maybe being on the outs of like, I don't think this is right. But then but feeling compelled by duty to have to pull them off and then really then having to live with it as like it was his decision to carry out the orders that were given to him, like these atrocious war crimes, like it's it's a heavy episode. And I think that Bill Burr pulls it off tremendously. Yeah, um, I didn't expect that sort of range because, like, in the first episode he was in last season, he's basically just the wisecracking comedic yeah. relief, right? He does obviously some of that, and that's what he's going to be best at. Mm-hmm. But they give him a chance to soften and become a person, mm-hmm. and you know, you see some of the stuff is kind of cliche stereotype, whatever. Like, not that it was bad; it's just like you know, kind of run of the mill stuff. And then they give you a little bit more. Think of it a little bit more, and it's like the whole thing he talked about with you know, it's whatever you have to do to be able to sleep at night, you know, is good. Mm. And the kind of try to poke at him and his thing with the oh, if you take the helmet, is it about taking the helmet off? (laughs) Whatever, like obviously important to set up what's coming later to see the depth that he took and, and how serious he got in that scene is pretty. Incredible, just like as a testament to his range, testament to them giving him, like extending him the trust to let him do it, like between mm. script and direction, to give him the total heavy lifting where Din says like two lines that whole time when they're sitting down. And obviously it's a specific conversation between him and that commanding officer and all that. But I, like I felt it, I believed it. I embraced what he was going on about. Like it's, yeah. it, it felt real to him, I, especially to me. Especially when his emotions get the better of him and he shoots the guy. And I think that in that scene, both Din and Mayfeld or Mayfield, they get to, they, they're both vulnerable and bolstered by each other, right? Like they end up helping each other out of that tight spot. But like that, like they probably could have gotten out of there or like waited it out and not escalated the situation. But there was such a rage building over the years inside of him. And he was able to Mayfield was able to like release that by killing that Imperial officer. Like, I think yes. that that was such a, that was such a move. And then the, uh, I love the scene where like, they're, they're basically done with that. And he looks away from then and he goes, I didn't, I didn't see your face. And like, lets him put his helmet back on. Like, I think that was such a, that was like such like a brotherhood moment, like where they 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 both they both get each other, and like while Mayfield's character is like questioning Din's loyalty to having the mask on, he's respecting him, right? And like you're going on this journey, and like you were just there for me through this. The whole like he looks away, he's like I didn't, I never saw your face, like that whole thing. I that was super emotional. I thought that was a really great scene. Well, because it, like, it finally reaches the point where he's like, okay, I pushed you, I pushed you, I pushed you. But it's not me who got you to do it, right? right. And I'm respecting 
what it took you because I'm mostly just here to be a dick and like poke fun at you. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh no, I've like, I've known you for a long time. Like I know what it means to you to keep that helmet on. Yeah. See you do it without hesitation when you need to mm-hmm. fuck. And I saw people complaining actually that this was the payoff because they were, and like, I, I understand to a certain extent they wanted it to be, Symbolic that maybe that Grogu would be the first one to see him, mm. which is, is fair. But there were I'd seen some like complaint that this was like kind of felt like a little bit of a, like a wet blanket on that whole situation. To me, I was like, no, like just because he's not there in the moment, just because it's not like in the ultimate act of like saving him per se, to realize that he's making that choice because it's the only thing he can do at this point in order to take the next step to save him. Like it still matters just about the same to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's just as valid that way. But we've seen his face before. No, I know, but like the fact that other people saw it, you know what I mean? Oh, other than the droid yes. that blew himself up. Uh, yeah, I, and I do think that there's something special about that where you're like, it's interesting, right? Mayfield is, like you were saying, he's poking fun at him, but he's like letting him do his thing. But I do wonder, like, there's something about seeing his face. Like, uh, when Mayfield can't contain himself, it's written on his face, right? And the sheer desperation is written on Din's face. And I do think that they see it in each other. And that's why they're able to get through that scene together, that, that, like that, that interaction together and respect each other. Like, I get you. I understand that like, you're, you're so emotionally, you're in such emotional turmoil from the things that you've had to do. Like, there's no, like, you don't need, like, th- I think that's where that decision happens, right? Like, it, it, they make it play out that it's when he blows it up that that gave them, like, the, the clear, like, oh, we should let him go. But I think it was yeah. in that scene where he was like, you're punishing yourself enough for one lifetime that you don't need to be in prison anymore. Like, I think that like that, that was, that's how I read it. And then the way that uh, Mayfield sees did like the look on his face, like you said, like with it, like he got up to the machine when the time came for, he pulled his helmet off and it was like, because he's on a mission, he's getting the kid back and that's all there is to it. And that, that was a big scene. I read this thing. I wish I could remember where it was from because I was like a couple of days ago, but uh, it broke down um, uh, Pedro's acting in that scene. I have it. I was look. That's what I was looking for. I wasn't. Oh man, when he the the whole like he does like a little bit of like he does like a stiff movement. He doesn't. I'll read the whole thing. Yeah, this was on Reddit. It was on the Mandalorian TV subreddit. Um, Watch carefully, and you'll notice that Pedro never uses his peripheral vision when he cares about what he's looking at. In this moment, it would be normal for his head to face a little to the left, but he's looking at Bill straight on, just as he would in the helmet. Bill looks back at him, but doesn't keep his head straight the same way. So you can compare it to the immediate next cut, the way Bill's looking at him while facing a little to the right. That's normal, but Pedro doesn't do that. A moment before, he's looking at the table while the officer talks, and then looks straight at Bill almost off camera. After Bill takes his shot, he turns and looks straight at the trooper behind him turning his entire body so he can turn his head to look straight at the trooper. Far as I can tell, he stays in character through the whole sequence, always pointing his head directly where he's looking. The strangest bit is when Bill hands him the helmet and he looks down at it, but he doesn't just look down at it. He looks down at it with his entire head uh. like, a, like a bird. It's all very unnatural unless you've worn a helmet your whole life. Honestly, it's brilliant acting and direction. I care very much about the character and that helps us care about him too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that was super powerful. That was a great rundown of what's happening in that. It just makes the scene more impactful. But yeah, because uh, I hadn't really noticed. It. I knew there was something 
about that scene. To me, I just read it as, oh, this is the first time that he's actually, like, the character has been Mm -hmm. without a helmet. And so he's just acting very vulnerable because he's used to having an outer layer protecting him from the world. Right. And also he's used to having a literal safeguard between him and his, like, the world. Like, from, like, a visual perspective as well. And now all of that's been thrown away. Right. Both from, like, the visual emotional standpoint and the physical safeguard as well. Oh, man. It's a, it's it's so good. But uh, that is, how awesome is that escape? I love when they they kick the window out, they're climbing out, they've got the sniper support. Like, that whole thing was really exciting. And then the dive into the slave and driving, flying away. And then, of course, we get the, was it a, I forget what that charge is called. Is it a seismic? Yeah, the seismic charge. When it the, that sound effect, that that iconic sound, it's like Star Wars sound effect. To see that, boing, boing. Like, <laughs> so good. Like I was, I was on the edge of my seat, like gripping the couch, like ready for it because I knew, like I, like because because of the way that that always plays out, you know that it's gonna take a second. You're gonna see it first, and I was so excited to hear it. Just like. I turned the volume up, like I was it's ready one of the to great go. Star Wars sounds of all. Time. Oh God, it's so good. That I was very surprised that there was a lot of new screams as stormtroopers fell off the building. Yeah, you know, I noticed that a week or two ago, they've totally eschewed the whole Wilhelm scream and they've come up with their own new scream. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's they're using the same sound over and over again, the way that the Wilhelm scream was, but it's a totally different sound now. Yeah, it's interesting. I just thought it was a, it was a funny note. But uh, then the uh, then the whole <laughs> I love that scene. So they 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 fly off to the side. They get off the ship, uh, and they <laughs> what is it? Uh, uh, Din and what, what's her name? Um, Kara. Uh, they, they're they're having that conversation between the two of them as if Mayfield isn't there, and he's like, "Can can I leave?" Like he's <laughs> he's not really sure where this is going. Like because I'm sure from his paranoid mind at this stage in his life, he's like, "Wait, are they killing me?" Like, where, like, like, are they gonna are they gonna off me in the woods here? Like, what's going it, on? It reminded me a little bit of um, True Lies when they're gonna let Carlos leave, mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, no. As soon as I turn my back, you're gonna shoot me. You yeah. know, like that's what it felt like. And they start shooting at his feet to get yeah. him to run. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Uh, also, the the very final scene is what I heard described as a wrestling promo when. <laughs> When the Mandalorian sends this missive to Moff Gideon, which, I mean, he has to know he's going to try and come for him eventually, right? But, like, to let him know it's so immediate would seem like a waste of the element of surprise somewhat. Well, I think part of it was, like, they had to know where he is to be able to send the message directly, right? And I think the that shows on his face there's a little bit of fear. And I think that, I mean, Giancarlo Esposito, like, great actor, like, he doesn't have a line in that scene, but it's it's dope. Like he's like, like he's doing it. He's he's giving a hundred percent. Well, it was obvious to me. I couldn't remember the exact lines, but I knew immediately that he was parroting back the lines that Moff Gideon first delivers right. in the finale of last season when he shows up when he says, "You know, this this thing is more much more valuable than you could possibly imagine." I rem- I recognize that he was parroting back the majority of it. Yeah, but. There's the subtle change of Moff Gideon refers to it as it, mm-hmm. and he keeps referring to it as him and he. Yeah, ah, uh, 
I'm so excited for tomorrow. Tomorrow? No, two days. Friday. I'm excited for Friday. I've lost track of time. <laughs> but I'm. What even is time? Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the finale, and also it's going to be bittersweet because I don't want it to end. But uh, I'm thinking. Uh, I think I'm about ready to just rewatch the first two seasons. I didn't rewatch the first season before this, but I feel like I will want to rewatch the first two next year. Yeah, went before the next season. That seems that feels right. That feels right. But uh, yeah, th- this is what has rekindled my love and interest in like putting Rebels episodes on. Which I actually, even though I'm exhausted, like I feel like I need to come down from this episode and watch an episode before I go to sleep. I could see that. I was thinking earlier. Oh, maybe I could fire up like Cyberpunk and like create my character or something like that. But no, no, that's a seventeen-hour process. Yeah, well, that was kind of my idea. It's like, well, I don't have a chance to like actually play the game, and that's okay. Like, like yeah. creating a character and the backstory and getting the prologue set up. Like, you gotta pick a good your face. You gotta I pick play. your genitals. You gotta pick a general size. Like, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I really appreciated Brian sending me a picture of his <laughs> character, the huge dong. Super important to my day. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. But I have been awake for, I don't know, 18 and a half hours or something like that. Or nice. I might be doing that math wrong. I don't care. Uh, so I'm pretty tired. Luckily, I didn't fall asleep, which is great. I'll well, touch and go a little bit earlier. I guess uh, until next week, may the force be with you.